This is exactly right. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deep deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun dun! dun. Hello, and welcome to That's Messed Up, NSVU podcast. As always, I'm Kara Clank. And differently, I'm Lisa Traeger. No, <laughs> it's the same. Uh, we're going to talk SVU. We're going to talk uh, the crime the episode's based on, and we're going to talk to an incredible guest who I was obsessed with. But first, I am in a rage, so I don't want to hide my emotions, <laughs> if that's okay. But um, I already did tell, uh, you know, Annalise and Kara this <laughs> before, but... You know, I I did upgrade myself. I got first class and I slept because I flew from New York very early without any sleep. I was like, I deserve to sleep. I don't want to have a heart attack at fucking 40. So um, I slept. I ate some overnight. Oh, I, I got here. Sun is shining. My apartment looked so clean. Like I was just living life. And I was like, I'm going to get some errands done. Basically, my management company, our mailboxes are against code. They have to fix the mailboxes because the post office now refuses to deliver the mail. So I have to go pick up the mail at the post office. They are holding my mail hostage. They will not give me my mail. The only way they'll give it to me is if I sign up for a PO box and then a one-time release with proof of purchase will they give me my mail. And they said they will not give the mail until the mailboxes are fixed. And the management company is like, we ordered the mailboxes. There are shipping supply chain demands, whatever, shortages. And the mailboxes are two to three weeks away. And my accountant's like, honey, taxes. 
<laughs> and so all my tax forms are being held in the post office. And I'm just like, I have no tampons. I'm bleeding on my couch. And I just, everything's fine. And I'm lucky to be alive. And I got that out. So now I feel okay. <laughs> I feel so bad. I know exactly how you feel. Where it's just like a well, bunch you of do fucking- Well, you do this all the time. This I do an errand a month. You're like, <laughs> you, this is your schedule constantly. So <laughs> you're always doing errands. No, but you would be, you could absolutely find me having a meltdown at the post office if they told me that they were keeping my mail hostage. I would be like, this is unconstitutional. Like I would be having a full meltdown. Like, oh, I cried. Oh, I cried. <laughs> I was fully crying. It's wedding season. It's tax season. You cannot keep people's mail hostage. You know, I think I remember us having a listener that delivers mail because they told us that they listen to us while they deliver the mail. If you have any insight, any tips on oh, how to get around this bullshit, Wait, let I me know. I know a mailman. Floyd. I know a mailman. Who's Floyd? A friend who's a mailman. You okay. know what? I this is this is thrilling that you just said that. <laughs> I do I even have Floyd's number? Let me see if I still have his number. Talking to me like I know who Floyd is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, but New York was good. fun. You had a good time in New York. Sounds like you had a blast. Oh, I, oh my God, someone's message. You will not believe who came to my show yesterday. Who? So when I was a freshman in high school, you know, I took theater all four years of high school, but my when I was a freshman, the best senior actors helped teach the intro to acting class. And my senior teacher helper was at my show with his friends. Yeah. And, and he like remembered you of, and like was there specifically because of that? Oh yeah. And then his best friend's brother was my year um, and it was his birthday. So they like he celebrated his birthday at the show. And then this other girl who I wasn't friends with, but she goes, I don't know if you know me. And I go, oh, you were popular. I go, I for sure know you, bitch. And I was like, <laughs> and I think you were a twin. And she is. And so, and they're like super Jewy, Skokie crew. And so just now text popped up. We have like a mutual that I used to visit in Portland. Portland and we used to be salon receptionists together. And oh my so God. Je uh, Jess is messaging me now being like, oh my God, Alex, you know, but it was so exciting. I love Skokie supporting Skokie. That's really fun. Yeah. And everyone's parents are still there. I don't know. It was, uh, it was a nice uh, Jewish fun treat. And our friend Allison, like it's cool when friends come and then when your friends are so cool, you're like, whoa, am I so cool? You know? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. someone asked me why I stayed out so late. And I was like, well, it's a 10 p.m. show. I got home at 2 a.m. It's not even... How, what even, even if I rushed out. Yeah. It still yeah. would have been 12.31 at the earliest. Yeah. I don't know why I uh, challenge myself in the way I do in terms <laughs> of pushing my body to the limits. But... On St. Patrick's Day, I was hanging... Well, I was hanging out with friends. You're going to love this story. I've been dying to tell you this. And we were reminiscing. It was like we were drunk chatting about people. And one time, there's this kind of like, hopefully not a drug addict anymore, but like a druggy, drunk type friend we had. Mm -hmm. And she posted a photo of herself on the lap of an old man and said, oh my God, I met Robert Duvall. And then the comments below were, that's not Robert Duvall. <laughs> <laughs> And so we were reminiscing about that. <laughs> <laughs> Fully on some old man's lap. And then also I met an amazing girl. I met the girl from Philly who came to my show. Yes. Amazing. And um, she is going to be at DragCon and she wanted me to give a shout out to Nurse Morgan. Nurse Morgan helps and she's a drag queen nurse and their booth at DragCon this year is going to be raising money for homeless LGBT youth. So, Amazing. if you see well, I'm, Nurse Morgan. I'm hoping Morgan, to go to DragCon. I'm hoping to go and take Rosie. That's what I told her. I said yeah. that um, Carol will be there. You should take Francis. 
yeah, maybe I'll see if, yeah, we'll do a little play date. Yeah. I feel like the, I think the kids would love it. I mean, the th- like, I really wonder with like, because, you know, I do respect like a lot of drag queens are like not all gay spaces are for children. Like DragCon does have a kid vibe. I've seen kids there. They do drag story hour. But you also do see guys walking by with like their full asses out and chaps. You know what I mean? So it's like, Rosie will be like, haha, his booty. But Francis, I worry, might have a full existential breakdown. <laughs> like she's, she's so a sensitive, sensitive girl. Yeah. yeah. So like, I wonder if she's like, uh, you know? Well, she would but, ask, she'd be like, why is his butt out? Like yeah. she would not, uh, she would want a real answer. And <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. And the answer he likes is, it. he likes it. Yeah. He it. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I would definitely think I'd give her some prepping before we go. You're going to see some kooky stuff, you know? Yeah. Kooky yeah. stuff is like very, very cute. <laughs> uh, but now after my rage and, you know, what I had, to, I don't even know what else to say anymore. <laughs> well, I'll, um, I'll take over for a second and just remind everyone that today is March 29th. You guys still have five days or so to buy tickets to our live show in Denver. We're going to be at Comedy Works in Denver. I'm so excited. I love Denver. And I just hope you guys are all going to come out and see us. It'll be so fun. And yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get high after. Also, obviously, shout out to the girls who brought me a joint. One of them used to work at Hermes. So that was exciting. But yeah. Denver, we're going to get fucked up, I think. <laughs> On all post these- show, post show. Post well, show. yes, for sure. And um, yeah, it's that's messed up live.com or our link in our bio on our Instagram or just go to Comedy Works website in Denver. And if you have friends in Denver, please tell them. Um, somebody did say, like, I'm coming to one of your shows. Is there someplace I can leave a gift for you? And I was like, bitch, you know we're coming out after. Like, you can hand us a gift face to face. It's like, we're not going to be like whisked away to our hotel afterwards. Like, we're definitely coming out to meet people. So... Yeah, we're both chatters. It'll be, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, uh, well, you guys will be sick of us before we're sick of you. You'll be like, okay. <laughs> One more shot. <laughs> Wait, so what's your thoughts on Life and Beth? I, I know you were watching it and I haven't had a chance yet. Which is the Amy Schumer's show on Hulu, in case you are not familiar. I loved it. And it might not be for everyone. It is slow moving and sweet. And like someone described it, Rosebud, who's in it, described it as kind of like a lifetime movie, but edgier, where it's like going home to like find yourself in love. And so it's like this wholesome thing with some great jokes and like beautiful shots of filmmaking. I don't know. It was awesome. My sister was watching. My sister told me a little bit about it and said, she goes, I get a feeling like it's like train wreck. Like I'm seeing like some echoes of train wreck in it. She was saying. Yeah. Always about growth. It seems like all the shows, all the projects she does is like always some sort of growth. My God. The day I went to go see train wreck in the theater, I left my wedding ring at an audition and I was panicking. I had to like run back and get it and then go see train wreck. Anyway, that just came to me. Um, but they had it for you. That was a Yes, I had like taken it off because I wasn't supposed to play a married person in the thing. And I was like, nobody cares. Why did you take it off? Like, and I just put it on a desk and then I left it there like under a plate, like an idiot. Yeah, oh. when's our new Apatow movie? That's what I'm looking for. I want a some new Apatow. Apatow. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're dying for a three and a half hour comedy? <laughs> yeah. Get those auditions in. <laughs> but I do have to say that, not to fully brag, uh, I, I, this was the newest, I, I was in the newest Delta model plane. This Ooh. is like the most, um, the newest I've ever been in. And the upgrades are amazing. Like, 
there's a little cubby for your shoes because that's the biggest problem in first class. Usually like the lay down bed and then your shoes get stuck underneath and you can't put them in the aisle. So they built a cubby hole. You know, like I love seeing the engineers, the yeah, designers. the innovation. The innovation. Listening. Yeah, listening to what we say. And you know, COVID's coming to an end or we're going to stop caring because they're giving us little gifts again of like lip glosses and lotions and Ooh. stuff. So that was thrilling. But I slept the whole time and then 26 minutes to landing, I go, can I still get my meal? And she was like, fine. So that was exciting. I mean, they do anything for you in first. You know, I never fly first. I feel like we're like on, I listened to the podcast Bitch Sesh and like they are very wealthy, both of them, but Casey always flies first and Danielle never does. And I'm the Danielle of this podcast for sure. I, even if I had the money, I don't know if I would. I'm like so cheap. This is, I wouldn't. <laughs> Kara, I don't have the money. This is what happened. I was um, 5 a.m. I was in the Uber and I was heading to the airport and I just was like, I really need to sleep. Yeah. And I looked and there was three seats available and I went, you know what? What are credit cards for? Yeah. If not <laughs> to <laughs> lay flat. No one's ever going to accuse Lisa Traeger of not living life. I'll say that. <laughs> I'll say that. But no celebrities. But it is wild going to the lounge and it's 5.30 in the morning and bitches are on laptops. I'm like, what business do you have this early? Eat a sausage and shut I up. I mean, the market is about to open. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. That's like when I see people at the airport dressed up like in a heel to get on the airplane. I'm like, could not be me. Um, but let's kick this off. We do want to see you in Denver. Please buy tickets. And now we are going to cover a very fun episode. All right. Um, we're going to get into this. Obviously, it's an exciting day. We're finally at episode number 69. And <laughs> I couldn't be more thrilled. <laughs> we do have a newer. We're doing season 22, episode three. It's it's called Remember Me in Quarantine. Yeah. Fucking Warren Light. We had, this is God. our first one we've done in, episode, in season 22 because we kind of... It was the season that was on when we started the podcast. So we kind of... We're, let, we're letting it play out. So this episode opens up on Rollins and Finn in the office watching and judging Olivia. And Olivia, you could see her through her like glass wall office and she's, you know, gesticulating her arms a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, talking on speaker in her office. And it's nice to see them make fun of their boss. You know, they're always having to defend <laughs> Olivia and uh, do all of that. So it's nice to be like, Oh, yeah, you guys are regular employees and your boss might be annoying or embarrassing. <laughs> She's speaking Italian. How is her Italian, Kara? It's, I mean, it's very standard. Like she's not, she doesn't really have much of an accent, but she's, you know, doing like, she's not, she's getting it all right because it's scripted. And I'm sure Mariska Hargitay memorized all her lines, but it's all correct Italian. <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue, not yeah. to insult our queen bee, but. <laughs> It's silly. I just think Mariska wanted to show off. Like, I think she demanded well, some Italian. And is, yeah, and there is a funny moment in a minute, but go, yeah, go on. Um, do I know the funny moment? Well, no, I, I, I'll i just, I'll point it out. Okay. <laughs> um, and the man in Italian, he needs a favor. A girl from Milan who is studying in New York has been missing for a month, Maria Ferrero, and she is 20 years old. And she can't like, finish the sentence and she has to speak English, which I relate to a lot. Like, as, This is what I'm talking about. That's what I was talking about. Like when she's just like 
Okay, we've kind of come to the end of where I'm good at Italian. Can we like actually move into English now so that we don't fuck this up? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I relate to that. There's definitely words and phrases I cannot do in Russian. Um, so he asked her for help. So of course she's going to help. Um, Finn walks in and it's like, oh, so you're talking Italian? And she's like, how'd you know? He goes, well, you move your arms around a lot. <laughs> um, so she fills him in. Um, so, but it's missing persons. So he's like, why would we take this missing persons case? And she says, well, with all the protests and everything going on, all the missing persons and cops, like everyone is fucking busy with other shit. It's the height of COVID. So let's just do this. And it's a friend of mine and I owe him a favor. I wonder what this Italian police officer did for her that she owes him a favor. Maybe it was a nice lunch in Italy or (laughs) maybe it was finding files. We don't really know what she fucking did. Um, And the scoop that we get from the dad of the missing girl is that she was living with roommates near Stytown and uh, she tells him to mask up as Finn leaves. So, Stytown. It's by NYU. And I know people were kind of having annoyed, like people were writing us a lot during this season being like, are they going to commit to the masks or are they not going to commit to the masks? Like Olivia's like mask up and then you would see them showing up at crime scenes, taking the mask off. It's like, it is obviously a television show and they're clearly trying to acknowledge the moment saying, oh, all of our cops are busy at protests. Like this is the height, like this whole episode is about COVID. So they're not trying to like get around COVID like some other shows have, but it's a television show. We cannot watch the actors behind a mask the entire time. Like I'm not interested in that. So I kind of thought it was okay the way they went back and forth. No, I like that she said mask up, but there are moments where they're like in a room with a perp without a mask. And then you know, Cat will be like six feet away and put a mat. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I just wish uh, they did it more seamlessly. But I I didn't mind this mask up moment. I felt mm-hmm. like, okay, we we get it. Um, So we go to the apartment of Maria Ferrero. Cat and Rollins and Finn are there. And they're talking text clues and waiting for someone to buzz them up. Uh, her phone, we find out, has been dead for a month um, after she sent three texts in a row to her father. And I guess Kat also knows Italian. Everyone knows Italian. She knows what <laughs> the text says. Eight languages. Yeah. yeah. And with gold hoops on. Like, she's really killing it. It's sad that she... I'm sad they didn't give her another season. It is kind of shocking. Yeah. I mean, to trade her and more Barnes for the white Terry Serpico man, it seems... <laughs> crazy. But um, I don't mind her. And I think we could have gotten another fun season out of her. It's like, I wonder how they make the decisions. Yeah. I guess she got shot. Whatever. So (laughs) Kat knows Italian. They meet the first And this is a huge red flag. I mean, someone's phone being dead for a month. That's to me like, you're dead. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, what? you know, you would have gotten another phone or sent an email. Like, that's a horrible, like, you're looking for a dead body. Or you're trapped. Yeah. Or you're in a, you know. Yeah, you're being held. Colleen Stan sitch. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Colleen Stan's phone was dead for seven years. (laughs) Well, it was the 70s. It was different, but um, (laughs) keeps me up at night. So they meet roommate number one, and he's sports douche prep type of guy. He saw her last three weeks ago, maybe four. He's lost track of time with the pandemic. And he said since March, it's been roommate Jenga. What confuses me is he then says it's his grandmother's apartment and she's in Arizona. So if he's rich, it's his grandma's apartment. He gives me douche vibes. Like, why does he need roommates? 
Yeah, they definitely get set up that he's rich, right? He's like got a house in the Hamptons and stuff. So I don't know why he needs roommates. That's interesting. Uh, like that's maybe the one fork for me where it's like maybe just like for extra cash. Like he might be totally under his parents' like budget, and he I don't know because he has a fiance and everything too. It's like why aren't you and your fiance just living in a big apartment together? Yeah, it, it was is weird. Weird. Um. So, but I liked hearing the word Jenga. You know, I can't deny. <laughs> I cannot deny. Product placement. <laughs> um, and then we meet a super hot girl with brown short hair. Um, I would say no one's been prettier. And uh, <laughs> she said that Maria had packed up and left without saying bye and uh, took the douche lord's um, hockey bag and left. So that's what we get. And no one really knows. And she says, hey, we weren't really friends. She stayed in her room often and she kind of hated us because we didn't take the virus as seriously as her. So, you know, she's Have you ever lived, when you were in New York or maybe even in Chicago, have you ever lived with people that you weren't friends with? Um, at least acquaintance. I never lived with strangers. Yeah. In Iowa, I, left, I lived with a stranger. But yeah, no, what about you? No, never. Like, I've, I've never lived with someone that was like, well, I guess... When I went to Italy to get certified to become an English teacher over there, they put me and my friend with two random girls, but we became, we quickly became friends. But that was more of like, a, we were all in the same class. It wasn't like they just had a totally separate life for me, came and went, you know? My brother just had, like, did a situation like that in New York a couple of years ago, and I was like, that must be so weird. Like, I was like, are you guys friends? And he's like... Not really. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Like how you share common space with someone. Like, well, and you're you, know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Like you can't. Yes. <laughs> if you well, and I want to like watch TV together and like hope that we have like, you know, like can share the common space. I don't know. No, I don't want, I don't understand the, for myself, like, oh, that's just my roommate. And we absolutely have different shelves in the fridge and do not cross-contaminate <laughs> our ketchups. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, our ketchup. I want to be able to share a ketchup or something. Yeah. I um, yeah. Or you're right. Like, oh, it's the Survivor finale. Let's watch it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I've never done a Craigslist. I've gone and met strangers to live oh, with. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but sure. then I've decided not to. <laughs> I've also lived with people that I've hated. But at least mm. I know that I hate them. Yeah, yeah. And you knew them first. I did, yeah. They yeah. were forced upon me. And um, <laughs> it happened. Actually, one of the people I didn't like, you know, it was like someone was dating them. But um, after they left, they went to my coffee shop and told the coffee shop that I had kicked them out and all this bullshit. But it's like, I'm their number one customer. You don't think they're going to tell me that? And so <laughs> I was just like... So they were like, yeah, he said that you kicked him out and this and that. And I got to be like, absolutely not. I cannot believe he's on his way out spreading shit to my coffee shop. Oh, hot neighborhood goss. I love it through the coffee people. <laughs> Who oh I gosh. still go to. Like, yeah. Like, when I go to Cla everyone, Claudia's on Bushwick Ave <laughs> in Brooklyn. It's so delicious. Tell them Lisa sent you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now there's new employees and I don't want to be the person that's I do always go, I lived across the street. But <laughs> as a waitress, I would hate when someone wanted special treatment, you know? Yeah. That's like, you used to be a regular. I don't know who you are. I don't, you're paying for every coffee. But yeah. <laughs> I just want a hug. Okay. <sighs> so anyways, I like to order off menu. 
So we're back. We're done talking about Claudia's in Brooklyn, my bad roommate, living with strangers. We're back. Do you guys remember? We're at a COVID apartment. <laughs> Jenga, Jenga. So the girl, the hot girl's in perfect bad girl clothing, tattoo choker necklace. Did you used to have that? No. Never? I can't wear anything that tight around my neck. It makes me like freak out. Did you ever wear I know one were- around your upper arm? No. Wow. I loved no. those tattoo choker necklaces, <laughs> but no surprise. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I just never had one. Yeah, bra um, showing outside of her halter top, hoop earrings, like, and just to mention, Rollins also has like a perfect messy ponytail here. Um, We get more info. She says Labor Day weekend, they assumed she was just super social distancing, but when they opened the door, nobody was in there, nothing was there. Empty room, not a lot of dust. But Finn notices that somebody scrubbed down the wall and then the rug and Kat, oh, like, lifts the rug and there's stains. So we got a luminol. So we're going to luminol and then check out the <laughs> courtyard. Now, the courtyard is shared with a restaurant. And so they enter the restaurant. They find sneaker prints and drag marks. Oh, no. It's dark and cluttered. It's a tight space. And then Finn might have found something. And there's a dead female body inside a long style meat fridge um, that is just made for freezing bodies, right? Like it's for meat and bodies. Is there any? I, why else I, do you have that kind of freezer? Well, you only have that if you work at a restaurant and like, and you're deep, you're deep freezing, like, you know, big cuts of meat or like, yeah, food, like food. I mean, no, or, yeah. there are people that have it in their garages for their, I know. For and bodies. I never understand that. I don't understand when you have it in like your garage. Look, my family had a separate fridge and freezer full size in our, in our garage because we were eight people, but it was not a deep freezer. Like those deep freezers are like really, really, it's like in dead to me when she has the deep freezer. It's like, why do you have that? You know? Yeah. It's only like Hank Hill. Like, are you shooting elk? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You have a lot of yeah. elk, dear. And that's what our dad had in my outside freezer. Our outside freezer had a bunch of venison like wrapped up that we never fucking ate. But, okay. So, but have you seen the movie Bernie with Jack Black? Oh, I've seen pieces of it. I think I saw it on a plane and then the plane landed. But I definitely know the movie you're talking about. There's a deep freezer body moment yes, in that too. Yes, it. So when I saw it in the movie theater, it was confusing. And then I've seen it maybe three times after that, four, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. The movie Bernie is really, really good for our murder crew. And a <laughs> lot of the extras in the movie were real people from the town. Wow, that's fun. Yeah. Okay, so now we're at the credits. So they found the dead body. We're at the credits. I've already <sighs> talked too much. I can't believe we just hit the credits. Now we're back at Melinda's house. And I do have to say, they did a really good job showing how hard it was for medical professionals. Like Melinda had deep, deep mask indents around her face and just like extra tired, extra worn down. No patience, so snappy, kind of bitchy, but deserves, yeah. deserves to be a bitch. Um, she explains how it's been wild between COVID with bodies piling up and the murder spike. Nobody has slept since March. The cause of death on this girl, though, is asphyxiation, which sucks because it means she was alive in the freezer. Ice crystals are in her lungs. And then this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And it's going to haunt my nightmares. Oh, God. I don't like I this, but um, sh- her fingernails are bloody and chipped because she was trying to claw out of the freezer. Ugh, and they show that. it. They like zoom in on the bloody fingers. Ugh. And I think it's a phobia. I don't know if it came from Kill Bill or from other things, but like, or Cloverfield Lane. Like, 
trying to scratch. Out, uh, I don't know. Like buried it. alive is like a number one phobia of mine. So yeah. this is very much. Yeah, yeah. this is Annalise is shaking their head like no, 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 no. Finn and Benson are asking Melinda questions and Benson asks like sexual assault. And Melinda goes, the most short fuse we've ever seen her and responds with, I'm getting to that. I couldn't believe. I was like, are you mad that they just brought you back on the show after a bunch of seasons? Like, <laughs> it was like a lot. It was, but I loved it. No, it was, it was, I think they did a really good job with this. Yeah. Um, and then, she, so then she's like, there's bruising and viable semen in the vagina and throat, but the head wound is shallow, not caused by an object. And then, so Ice asks something and Melinda cuts him off and goes, yeah, I got that, Sergeant. And yeah, she's tired. No more nice, nice. She's ruling it a homicide. And Benson says they're going to keep the case because murders have doubled. And um, she's like, we have to work on this. It's also my friend. So Finn says, okay, I'll go get DNA from the roommates. Um, And I do have to say, I was in New York like March, the March where everything was opening up post-vaccine and and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to David Tell and he goes, be careful out there. People are wild. And I just thought because he's an old man, you know, he's out. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay. And then I stayed out late and the young people and cool people were telling me that. And then it was the middle of the night and I was like, oh, I get the vibe. It's unsavory. Uh, people were, it was. It, it was like letting animals out of a cage, right? Like absolutely. people were just going fucking nuts. And yeah. they were going nuts and not only, but also like cops were going nuts, but desperation. You know, people were desperate. Mm. So if, like, you lost your job or you didn't have stuff. So, like, people are desperate and don't know how to hang out. So, like, I very much get what is being talked about with, like, the spike in homicides and crime and, like... Because usually I would take the train at night and I was like, oh, that's not happening this trip. So, just some firsthand experience of the vibe. So Mariska FaceTimes with the Italian dad and shows the photo of the woman they found in the freezer. And he says, yes, that is my daughter, Maria. That sucks. He asks if she suffered and Benson lies and says, no, that she died instantly. I'm okay with that lie. How are your thoughts? Yeah, totally. Dad has COVID and feels sad he didn't reach out to her more, but he didn't want her to worry. Uh, Parents love to do that. Truly a terrible parent flaw. Do you know that like I one time I called my family and I was like, oh yeah, call our uncle. And they were like, he's been dead for six months. Like truly no one told me. Oh my God. But I was just at a friend's house for dinner last week and her dad was in the hospital and refused to tell anybody. And so she got a call while we were there and we were just talking about how all parents like to lie and like not worry their children. And it's so fucking annoying. Because it worries us more. My mom does that about stuff with herself. But if it's someone else, she'll call me and be like, oh, did you hear? You know, but if it's like, but if it's about her, yes, secrets and lies. And it's, 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 we're still going to worry. Yeah. So parents suck. They never want you to worry about them. Maybe it's a good thing. So they mentioned that again, that there were three texts. So I feel like that's important if they're going to mention that the dad got three texts from her again. So the text, it was always the same thing. She texted, everything's okay, Papa. I miss you. Then Benson and Carisi FaceTime her friend at the Italian police, and he gives them some clues. The dad told him that Maria hated her roommates and there were problems there and that they partied too much. Too many drugs, so please help them find who did this. 
So then the hot girl roommate enters and with Rollins into the precinct, some rooms. And I feel like this girl reacts how I would. She goes, whoa, this is like a movie. Love this. We find out her name's Lexi, finally. (laughs) So Lexi says the last time she saw Maria was Saturday night. She had no company and went to bed early and always nagged at her to keep it down. And that was the last time that she saw her alive. She says she was in her room all night and she's like, listen, we thought she left. Like, what happened to her? Rollins doesn't answer her, but keeps asking her a question. And Lexi's like, listen, I ate edibles. I'm stressed. I don't know what's up. And now we have the bro douche is with Finn and they're standing and chatting. And he says he knows he wasn't home. And Finn quickly asks, like, where were you? And he said he was at his parents' house in the Hamptons and came back Tuesday morning and his hockey bag was gone and it looked like someone went through Maria's room. I don't know. He says he didn't know Maria well and and Lexi actually knew her from some acting classes and that's how they all met up because once the dorms closed and she couldn't go back to Italy, she found this place to live. And that's something to think about. I didn't think about people not being able to go back home. I think that they mostly were allowed to go back, but not home. to Italy. Maybe not Italy in that in that specific period where yeah. it was really really bad. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, our friend who works in in higher ed could probably tell us. I have other friends that work in higher ed that were like scrambling to help get all their foreign students home. Yeah, and uh, sounds like yeah, yeah. Because I was um, I met some people that were going back to Hong Kong, and they said that you have to quarantine in a hotel that you pay for it for three weeks. And this was in the last five months. So expensive. Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to show off that they were rich. They were in the fashion business. They gave me a business card. I don't know. You know, they were trying to show off. Yeah. And the show off was I can afford to quarantine in Hong Kong, was the flex. (laughs) Is a flex. I just saw a list of the most expensive cities to live in, which of course New York and LA are on, but Hong Kong was in the top 10 and maybe in the top, I forget. Number one? was weird. It was Tel Aviv. Yeah, I thought it was, maybe it's because we're so U.S.-centric, but I was like, I hear a lot about D.C., San Francisco, Seattle. San Francisco, yeah. San Francisco you hear for sure, yeah. But the only two U.S. were New York and L.A. And I'm glad we live there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like my coffee I'm drinking right now with the tip was $7. It is strange. Well, that specific place, yeah, is... A little pricey, right? Well, where else am I going to go? No, there's tons of places. Tons that was places. psychotic. That was psychotic. <laughs> Especially in our neighborhood. It's like really everywhere. Coffee is spilling out of the fucking sewer grates in our, <laughs> in our neighborhood. Oh, that reminds me. Um, I don't know if she was a listener, just was into me from other places. But I was out at Zebulon dancing last week or two weeks ago. Who knows what day this is. And someone did approach me with a compliment. And so if you're a listener, I remember that. (laughs) And then I fell off the stage. Okay. So, (laughs) so upsetting. I love that. Okay. So the dorms closed. All right. We're back. We're back. We're back. It's just weird doing this because we're still in the pandemic and it's like weird to relate to an episode. I usually don't relate so closely to episodes. They're very, thank God, not part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, except for the dance company. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> what was it? Chrysanthema? What's the rot- radial rotation? Radi- uh, it was called ra- radialis, right? Radial, yes. <laughs> 
So she didn't have men over. We find that out about our girl Maria. But Finn is like, okay, well, but was she fucking any of you guys? We did find sperm, so... Someone's got to talk. Then we hear about Perry Mercado, another crasher, another, you know, member of the roommate Jenga brigade. Um, And he left a week after Maria and owes the Hamptons boy money as well. Um, So they're off to Immaculate Heart Rescue Center to talk to this Perry fellow. And he's volunteering, passing things out to people, maybe a hygiene kit, food situation. I'm not sure, but he's being helpful to people who need help. And um, they asked why he moved out. And he said it's because Lexi. Lexi was partying too hard and he didn't feel safe because his father had heart issues and he could not risk it. So Finn asks like why Maria moved out. And he said, same as me. Like these people were not careful and they suck. So then they tell him Maria is dead and he looks shocked as fuck. He's like, what? And his eyes widen. So in my head, I'm like, you're obsessed with her. Um, He finally, or, you know, maybe a normal reaction to a dead roommate. But (laughs) I felt like... He loved her. So he finally stops working and slips off his mask and starts asking questions and communicating. Um, He also says that the last time he saw her was that Saturday night of Labor Day in the kitchen. They ask him to come down to the station for a DNA test and a statement. He asks why. So that's suspicious. You should always just say, yes, police, anything you want in the world of SVU. And then he just like uh, does kind of a tirade about Lexi. Like he goes, oh yeah, fine. I'll come in. But also Lexi sucks and Lexi is so bad. And then, you know, one of my favorite tropes of the show is where when everyone at the precinct is watching a television program that has to do with the murder. Um, We got a full packed house in Benson's office. Rollins, Kat, and Finn are all watching Italian television. And it's the father on the news saying how she hated her roommates and they're all bad people. And they took advantage of her. Then, sadly, he says, I have lost the light of my life. And now it's time for a group brainstorm swap information style meeting. We finally get the douche's name. His name is Brad. Surprise, surprise. I could have fake named him Brad up top and it would have worked out. Brad, Chad, Thad, Tad, any of the ads. Yeah. So they're going to check to see if Brad was really out of town and also keep thinking about how Perry and Lexi were home, but also all of their prints are everywhere. It's their house, so it's kind of hard to put shit together. But DNA from Maria's autopsy now shows us two viable semen samples. One is Brad and one is random. Cut to Finn yelling at Brad near the vending machines. You've been lying, Brad. This is not a game. And he does admit he had sex with Maria Saturday morning. And he knows he shouldn't have said, he should have said something, but he thought it would look bad. But like lying always looks worse. So they're doing a walk and talk interrogation, which I've never seen before. (laughs) I've never watched such a casual walk and talk interrogation of a suspect. Um, But, and he's like spinning and pleading. It's really like a ballet to the interrogation room. (laughs) And then he goes, fuck, okay, don't tell my fiance. I fucked Maria a few times. Okay, so he's bad. But then he's like, yeah, she got so clingy and that's why I had to leave. And then he's like shocked that they think that he killed her. But it's like, you can't be that shocked, bro. Your semen's in her and you lied about it and you left town. Like, and the hockey bag. So the hockey bag's on the table. So they point to it and they're like, wait, where did you find it? And the acting is so good. He's so shocked. And he's like, no, no, no. I was in the Hamptons, but also no one can corroborate that story with him. And Finn straight up is like, this does not look good for you, dude. Now, Lexi's playing with her sweatshirt sleeves as she's being interrogated. And I was like, whoa, Maria and Brad, wild. (laughs) 
But she says it makes sense why he didn't tell her because they hook up on and off too. Um, She's behind on rent and it was her idea and she fucks for rent. So maybe that's what this rich kid's doing. There's the answer to your question. (laughs) This guy is like, basically no one's paying rent, but he's getting tons of fucking ass. So, (laughs) And cheating on this fiance. This is... I, I, I'm engaged to a guy who's rich and he's living in an apartment with some random dude and two hot girls. I don't think so. Like, <laughs> in what world? Like, <sighs> and, um, and then they're like, wait, so he was home because you said you were alone eating edibles. So what's going on? And then Benson yells at her, like, shut, like, but I get it. So basically she's like, I don't know. Time is weird. I can't keep it together. My brain, I don't know. And Benson's like, this isn't a fucking game. But... Shit was weird. Pandemic brain is real. Our lives were different. And so, yeah, time is strange. So I get Benson's urgency to yell, but I get Lexi's confusion of, like, time and days and what's going on. And then we find more sperm. Okay, so who's that other guy? And she's like, listen, without any work or school, I couldn't go home. I was dying on the inside, so who cares? Who cares if I got the virus? It was a stress relief hookup. I was drunk. We fucked. He was gone, and her door was closed. What do you want from me? And then she's like, wait, oh, did he kill her? And it's like, okay, now the fog brain needs to catch up, (laughs) (laughs) And they keep asking her for info. And she's like, I fucked a random guy. Leave me alone. And I'm with her here too. I mean, Lexi is like our relatable queen. I don't know. Like (laughs) she was, it's a drunk hookup. Why do you want her to have this guy's social security number? She doesn't know his name. She didn't care. It was a drunk hookup and that's that. So Carisi comes in chatting and gets a little squirt of hand sanitizer from a wall dispenser. <laughs> and that's the little nod to the pandemic that I I enjoy. You know, it's not yeah. disruptive, but we get what's happening. You know, a little, a little squeeze yes, of we're it. we're in the world of the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Without like overly dramatic putting your mask up and down and <laughs> just like squirt some sanitizer and shut up. He wants to know who the suspects are. And it's like, take your pick, Carisi. They're all suspects. There's Brad who had sex with her and the body was found in the hockey bag. And he also trades rent for sex with Lexi. Then Perry was mostly in his room with headphones, but never heard anything and was giving his DNA why they looked um, like they were looking through him through the window. And then Lexi lied and passed out and the man was gone. So we have to find this other guy and see if the semen matches. So, you know, we got to find this guy before the press does. Uh, Carisi and Benson then listen in as Amanda and Lexi chat. And she says, the guy was black, great smile, cute, maybe Sean or something like that. She said she got used to telling people what they wanted to hear. And Amanda's like, wait, what do you mean? I don't get it. She goes, yeah, I didn't always wear my mask. I kissed guys at the bar. I danced and I hooked up on the stairs. Everyone was dying. It made me feel alive. And Amanda goes, well, I'm not judging you. I get it. Lexi goes, you're judging me, bitch. And she's uh, like, well, I'm trapped with my kids. So, you know, I'd like to leave. Tell me the bar. And she's like, I don't know the bar. I know the bartender. I don't want to get him in trouble. We find out there's quarantine speakeasies, no rules, indoor bars um, where people were having a good time. So they head to the rolling barrel the next day. And the bartender's like, nah, we weren't open in September, only for takeout. And Finn's like, shut the fuck up. 
We're not yeah, we're not the COVID <laughs> police. We have a real we have real crimes to solve. So stop these games. We know people were in here, and um, this bar looks cool. Very like red strips of neon lights. So I I would I would dance in there. I would dance. The bartender is hot, but does have a man bun. So I don't know what you guys want to. <laughs> now he does remember a black guy from a few months ago hooking up with Lexi, and it's like okay, I don't buy that. I'm sorry, you cannot you cannot tell me that. Yeah. But basically, he I think he remembers them both because they're both sluts and they're always fucking and like he's fucking in the bathrooms, always different girls. Um, So Kat and Finn do go to the guy's house and his name was Sean. So Lexi did do a great job. Um, yeah. When you think of Sean, are you S-E-A-N or S-H-A-W-N? You know what I mean? When I think of a Sean, initially I think of an S-E-A-N. Oh, wow. I just grew up with so many Irish Seans like that spelling. So they do have a warrant. I don't know how they got the warrant, to be honest. But they go to his house. Um, he's like, hey, everything was consensual, consensual. Um, I took stuff from her because she owed me money for drugs, yada, yada. So they show a picture of Maria while they're searching his shit. They do have a warrant. Everything's fine. He goes, I don't know her. Oh, is that the girl from the news? And then immediately Kat finds a passport in the drawer of Maria. <laughs> like, so comically fast. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> So, oh, he goes, oh, that girl, uh, she gave me that. And it's like, okay, no one is giving you their passport. Um, <laughs> and he's a really funny actor. Um, I really appreciate him. So then they show the passport and some jewelry they found at Sean's house to Maria's father on FaceTime. And he confirms that those are Maria's things. They say, we know he's good for this and his prints were on the hockey bag and DNA in the kit, but not in the freezer or restaurant. So what do we do with that? He hasn't asked for a lawyer and Carisi goes, great, let's get a confession. I want the confession. He says, I didn't rape or hurt anybody. And they're like, why'd you have all the stuff? He said it was for ed the edibles and drugs and Lexi said it was fine. And the sunlight during this investigation is gorgeous, truly like Casey Musgrave's golden hour, like beautiful lighting. <laughs> I don't understand what he was going to do with an Italian girl's passport. Yeah, like, how is that a job? Or do you sell fake passports to people? Maybe you, I mean, I bet selling a real passport to someone who kind of looks like her is would be lucrative, you know? That's the only thing, because it's like, I get the jewelry, but, like, why take a passport? Yeah. So maybe yeah. it is a trophy and he did kill her, or is he just another black man being blamed for a crime he didn't commit by white women? Mm. We don't really know yet. So then he says, I know you think I killed her, but I only had sex with her. And then Kat leans in and is like, okay, wait, give us more info on the sex. This is a major bomb. Like, what is happening? And he says, she was into it. Wait, wait, Lexi didn't tell you? And they're like, no. So we find out there was a threesome and he had a threesome with Maria and Lexi. And when he left, Maria was alive. Done, done indeed. Like, let's get yeah. a sound effect, but we can't. We'll get sued. <laughs> so, um... Lexi's like, we were wasted, whatever. And Kat's like, Lexi didn't say any of this. Sean says it was all Lexi's idea. And Lexi was annoyed that Maria was complaining about the noise. So she pressured her to eat edibles, dance with her. Then she start, and then she turned Maria out like a pro is what we get. So Whoa. Kat's like, okay, fine. Then how did this girl get into the freezer? We still have to find out how she got into the fucking freezer. He says people have lost their damn minds after this year. Maybe they fought about Lexi giving me all of Maria's stuff, but this is not this has nothing to do with me. And when a girl's that big of a freak, you know, she's crazy. And it's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> so Carisi's like, well, how much did Lexi tell you about this? And we're like, none. She's a bad person. Everyone said she's bad. She didn't tell us anything. But like, we don't, we they don't see how she could do it. They're like a little bit like, 
we don't see her being this mastermind criminal and carrying this body yeah, to the freezer. she seems a little bit too out of it. She's a little bit too, like, go with the flow, like, whatever. Like, yeah, hardly a mastermind. Hardly. <laughs> so now they have to get tough on Lexi since she mentioned none of this and is just, like, kind of not taking this seriously. But Maria is dead. So does she not know that... It- She's dead. I, no, she knows. The body was found. I don't get... Yeah, yeah. Maybe Lex is still stoned. I don't know. <laughs> she says Sean robbed them. So it's a different story than what Sean says. And they go, you know, Sean said that you gave it to him. And she goes, no, that's no fucking way. Um, so they, you know, they start talking about the threesomes, the robbing, the edibles, the giving away passports. What is the truth? But anyway, she's like, no, he robbed us and killed Maria. It's the only logical explanation. She is shocked, though, that no one believes her. And it's like, you've been lying this whole time. Yeah. (laughs) And you take no COVID precautions. Like, you are not trustworthy. They do say that Sean said it was, you know, Lexi's idea. And that there was more than just weed in her system. So do you remember suggesting a three-way? He said that... You know, like, that Maria was fine when he left. Rollin got her against the window. It's, like, intense. She's against the cage window things. They're pushing at her, and they're like, last chance to tell us what's up. And Lexi says, look, Sean is a drug dealer. And Rollins goes, yeah, that you let into your house. Like, you can't say someone's shady when you've, like, let them in. Yeah. And Lexi, with my favorite response of all of all time, if the whole show's history, goes, I told you I was making bad choices. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Like, (laughs) get that tattooed. She then says, wow, way to blame the victim. And Benson says, "Mm, I think Maria's the victim, you know. And that shuts Lexi up. There's a girl in a freezer (laughs) who's dead. So let's, let's think about this. Benson, though, also is not convinced she could have done this. Again, like, there's too much manual labor that comes with murder that Lexi is just not capable of. So then it's like, wait, so... Do they do it together? Is this rough sex or rape gone bad? Like, which one is it? Um, Benson then adds that we're all, what we're all thinking. If she is complicit, I bet she's like, let's pin it on the black drug dealer and get away with it. And they both have records, kind of minor. Sean smoking a joint outside, possession. Um, and Lexi has two DUIs, public intox, stealing, and some subtle shade from Rollins. She's like, oh, you know, the typical Florida arrest record. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> And it's like, honey, you're from Georgia. Not, yeah. not that different. <laughs> not that different. Um, who else was there? Who else was there? Who else? What can we figure out? We have proof that Hockey Boy was in the Hamptons and out of town. So, okay, let's just talk to Perry again. And that's the dork. Like, maybe the dork is lying. So he's taking off and on his sunglasses. And like, so SVU is trying to really push down our throats so that he's like nervous computer, headphones around his neck. He loves technology. Um, And he's like, wait, so the DNA cleared me up, right? Like, what's up? Um, And with just a little pushing from the detectives, he admits, yes, maybe I did hear something. Parting at 2 a.m., you know, I was up collaborating and writing um, music and having a session with my partner in L.A., which means that his partner in L.A. was up at 5 in the morning. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Oh, no, we're behind. No, 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 11 a.m., 11 p.m., 11 p.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 11, okay, that makes more sense. Because to me, I was like, that's a clue. He's lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But he does remember them playing Drake very loudly. So there's a Drake reference here. So then he goes, oh, wait, actually, I do remember. Yeah, no, Maria did get mad at them and then went to talk to them, but that ended up joining their party. And then Perry said that he yelled at them and then they all went into Lexi's room. 
because they were too loud in the common area. Now, Amanda tilts her head a little and asks, why didn't you tell us this before? And he says he didn't want to appear racist, you know, saying Lexi brought home some black guy. And now we're watching one NYC, which I feel is a New York one nod (laughs) moment. If you know, you know, but basically local news. I think you all get it. And, um... The newscaster goes, it's from Manhattan to Milan, which obviously reminds me from Milan to Minsk, (laughs) from Seinfeld's Rochelle Rochelle. (laughs) Um, And I wonder if that was on purpose or not. I bet it was. I don't know. (laughs) Manhattan to Milan, baby. Um, The little photo above the news anchor is Lexi, and it says, sexy Lexi. And there's a beer bottle next to her mouth, and they just show lots of pics of her looking hot and partying. And then they call her lockdown Lexi, and her lover murdered Marie in a drug-fueled sex torture session. How did the news get the story? This is a circus, says Carisi. Benson thinks the old boy network at 1PP leaked it. Rollins does feel bad for Lexi a little bit um, because she feels bad for anyone that's a bad person. Obviously, it's related to her sister and her father. I mean, time and time again, she will excuse a psychopath with a troubled past. Um, Kat runs in and says uh, that they found Maria's DNA all over Lexi's bed and mattress and bed frame. And then touch DNA was found on Maria's bra clasp. So back to Lexi being questioned. She is tired, though, and lets out this big sigh and goes, I told you I don't remember, like, leave me alone, damn. And they're like, hey, girl, here's Maria's bra we found under your bed. And she says, well, Sean put it there after he killed her. Nope, try again. Your DNA was there. Uh, You said she didn't party, and then we found drugs in her system and alcohol. So just fucking tell us what is going on. And she does another take of, like, what happened. So now it's this. So now the story is she came out of her room mad. I offered her wine that Sean stole from the bar. Sean gave her gummies and she thought they were just candy. So maybe she ate too many because I was like, edibles don't make you like start fun, like suddenly having threesomes with people. (laughs) So then Benson gets super stern and like has lost her patient and is like, look at me. What? happened. So stern. And finally, okay, she started talking about how lonely she was and worried about her sick dad and she started to cry. So I kissed her on the cheek and then the edibles hit her. And so one thing led to another and Sean kissed her and she was like, oh yeah, that's like a Maria we'd never seen before. We were all so shocked. And then so Perry started yelling at them. So then they went into the room, but then the bed frame broke. So they went to Maria's bed. She said she was uh, so many stories for one little apartment. I mean, this is so much. She said she was in and out of body, but remembers the three of them in Maria's bed. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So Maria was super high. Sean asked if they should call 911. He said he would take care of her and and to relax. But like, how did she get hurt? Lexi doesn't remember how Maria hit her head. But there is a head wound, but Lexi just doesn't know. And she starts crying, saying, wait, did I do it? And she's breathing really heavy and crying. I'm like, please tell me, did I do it? She's so sad. She's like, damn it, what did I do? Back to New York One, news reporter. Um, And there have been two arrests made, she reveals. 23-year-old Lexi York lured the victim into a three-way. And then the douche Hamptons boy is doing a media interview and throwing Lexi under the bus. Kat hates the double standard, but Benson's like, come on, Kat, like, stop defending her. She's lied to us a bunch. And Kat says, so did everybody else. And she's the only one that's being slut-shamed. And then Carisi goes, not now, Kat. And it's like, <laughs> okay, Carisi. <laughs> 
So then they each like admit a little bit, but it's still not the whole story. And they still don't know a lot of information that's important. Who sent the text for Maria's phone to her father? And Carisi yells, who carried out her body? Emptied the room and cleaned up the blood. Sean had jewelry and a passport a month later. Like they don't see him killing someone and then keeping all the goodies for as long as he did. Like he's not that kind of a mastermind. Mm -hmm. And if you're keeping trophies, it wouldn't be this loosey-goosey about it. Benson says, I don't see, again, Lexi being able to get away with murder. These are dumb, dumb sluts. They're not (laughs) murderers. But Rollins is like, sure, but girls like this are good about getting other people to clean their messes. And Rollins would know. So Lexi slept with Brad for rent. Like, what else did she get him to do? So they run over to the douche and he's like, whatever, you already cleared me. Like, what do you want? You arrested them. Leave me alone. You're bothering me. And Kat and Finn want him to testify to the timeline of events. And then Finn reveals, like, hey, we know you're lying. You said you got back to town Tuesday morning, but we have an alert on your mom's easy pass, and you came back Monday afternoon. So what's up? And he's like, oh, you checked that? Okay. And he kind of has the same shocked face as Chris D'Elia did in that clip where he like they he finds out that Snapchat you can save and take screenshots. <laughs> and it's just this like... Oh, wait, what? Oh, you guys <laughs> check that? Like, <laughs> so fucking, everyone's lying so much in this episode. Um, So he was with a friend. Her cat died, going through a bad time. And we get to the, basically Sloan. He's fucking his fiance's sister. Please don't tell my fiance. And she's already mad we had to postpone the wedding. And he's such trash. It's like, you clearly don't want to marry your fiance. Leave her alone. Release yeah. her from this weird relationship. <laughs> And go fuck everyone you want to fuck, including her sister. Like, what is happening in the world? He says what happened to Maria is a tragedy, but that guy, Sean, did it because Lexi is not a demon that people are making her out to be. And Kat's like, you mean you? You're the person. You went on the news and you talk shit about her. But Lexi didn't have an easy childhood, she says, and lots of catastrophes with the pandemic. I tried to help her. Um, She missed being touched. Finn is like, exactly. And that's why you helped her clean the room up. And he's like, no, 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 no. And there is desperation in the voice. Like, I did not do that. Perry and all three of us opened the door and it was already cleaned out. So Finn and Kat go back to meet this glasses dork Perry at another odd location. He's somewhere goofy and they talk to him again. And he's fishing. Like, who fishes a lot? I just, (laughs) is this guy? So they're like, so, and he goes, oh yeah, we did open the door together, but I don't, I don't know who didn't, who cleaned it. Like, I'm not sure. So then he admits, like, yeah, we did all open the door together, but I swear I didn't clean it up before. And then Smugly's like, didn't you already get the people involved? And Kat's like, no, we're aware of that. We just need more information. And they ask if he heard anybody else there on Sunday um, or Monday going in and out through her stuff. But he said he wasn't home. He was doing outreach Labor Day weekend since there are so many homeless people on the streets. So they go to the church outreach place and they start talking to this red-haired nun with, like, a fun hat. It. You know, it's like a light blue headband around, and this uh, not is a black and, and this is one. played by a friend of mine, Amy. No way, St- Amy Stiller. She's Ben Stiller's sister, and you know the fa- the daughter of Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira, and she's a actress. And uh, yeah, we knew each other in New York. We still know each other, but uh, and she's great. She got her mom's red hair. Yeah, I wonder if Ben gives her money. <laughs> I hope so. He's so rich. Yeah, but I mean, she probably has like, just like her parents were very, very huge comedians, you know? Yeah, because there was a rumor, like, I guess Anne Hathaway's brother did stand up in New York. 
Oh, really? And I was always like, if you're if your like siblings are that rich, do you just get to like chill out or do you still have to work? Well, because I do think that Cardi B gives her sister Hennessy tons of money. Oh, uh, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I think Cardi's just like, what's But Hennessy also is probably just making social media brand deals and like making tons too on her own now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, would just, I just, yeah, I want a deep dive if like Ronan Farrow can maybe do a deep dive of siblings and yeah, I'd each love other to money. Know. I'd love to know. <laughs> Uh, and the Kara's friend. So uh, Amy Stiller, the nun. (laughs) She says that Perry's a sweet soul that always says yes. Um, He got friends to donate clothing and sports stuff, hockey shirts, and they show photos of people and she recognizes sexy Lexi. And he goes, yeah, Perry actually brought a ton of women's clothing. And they go, well, is there any left behind? Like, we'd love to look at it for evidence. And she goes, actually, and the nun's a bad girl, bad girl, unzips her outerwear and she's wearing one of the sweaters. It's a red cashmere sweater and it's Italian. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. The nun realizes what's up and there's a look of horror on her face. And then they're back at the very futuristic 2021 precinct, very modern, wooden, sexy, with nods to the past. (laughs) And we confirmed that for sure Perry brought the clothing. But they can't confirm when, since time is weird with, like, the pandemic. So we got to confirm Perry's story that Lexi conned him into helping do the cleanup, but her attorney won't let them talk to her anymore. And Brad got them a fancy lawyer, actually, from his father's firm. So that's exciting. I'm glad Lexi has a Brad good does one good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Benson is like, just pick up Perry and let's get his testimony that he helped Lexi clean out the room and that should be enough evidence. So now they bring in Perry and they show him a picture of Sister Maria and they're like, you see anything? And he goes... Ah, she kept Maria's sweater. That's fucked up. That was for the homeless. And they're like, when did you bring that in? Did you give them Maria's sweater? And he says, no, like after she moved out, there was stuff around I found in the hall closet. She wasn't coming back. I called her a bunch of times. And and they're, and Finn is like, you didn't think that. You wanted to tell us that? Um, and then out of nowhere, Rollins, boom, goes, now did you text Maria's father? You're not as smart as you think, Perry. Great detective mind games by Finn and Rollin, the best cop duo ever. Um, you know, obviously Benson and Stan, but I, you know, you know, I, I have an affinity for their friendship. Yeah. He says, I didn't even know she was dead. Like, I thought she just left. It made sense. We were very close. We hated Brad and Lexi and how selfish they were. And he denies ever helping Lexi. He's frustrated and takes his glasses off and rubs his eyes. And they're like, just tell us the truth. What happened? He said, I had my headphones on and Rollin goes, okay, we're not buying that anymore. Get a new story. We know you heard something. And then another cultural touchstone, he goes, yeah, I heard the Cardi B song WAP. So, (laughs) LOL. Oh, WAP. You know you've made it when you're on Law & Order SVU as a song name drop. Yeah. And then Finn is like, um, so what else did you hear? You know, what did you do? Did you wipe the da- the blood with bleach? That must have been loud. You know, the head smashing against the wall. Um, he pauses and turns evil and his eyes turn bad. It's like a Martin Short and pure, you know, just like yeah. one look. Um, and the music gets really loud. Oh, okay. So basically he says the music was so loud and he couldn't stand it. And Rollins bends over, kind of like in a position that she's about to suck his dick. It's really <laughs> wild. But like, she's on his knees in front of his crotch, like luring him into a confession. And she's like, so Lexi made you do it, right? You care for Maria. And he's like, yeah, I did. Um, so then Finn goes to Amanda, like, should we tell him? 
And it's like, yeah, I guess we should tell him. And then finally they say, Maria was alive when they put her in the freezer. And he says, what? And leans in. Are you sure? And, you know, Rollins is like, yeah, she was breathing and, you know, gives the fingernail information. Uh. And she tried to claw her way out for hours. Sean and Lexi did that. And he says, I didn't know. And Finn goes, of course you didn't. If you knew, you wouldn't have agreed to help them, right? He screams, I don't care about Lexi. I thought Maria was dead. I swear there was no pulse. So finally he admits it. He was mad about the noise and sex. And after Sean left, he went into the room to confront her about breaking quarantine. He says that they had talked about having feelings for each other, but she told him she didn't want to risk hooking up because of Corona. So an incel. Oh my God. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> a hidden fucking incel. And then she does that, he says. She said um, that it was none of my business, but he needed to know if she was willing to do it for other guys, what was wrong with me? He asked to kiss her and she pulled away and he leaned in to hug her again and she pushed him away and he thought uh, she was dead. To, I swear to God, I thought she was dead. And like, that helps anything. Like, you still murdered her, you fucking psycho. He said he just pushed her back, but she was so high that she fell too far back. And Rollins said, so you just put her in a hockey bag, put a rosary in her hand, put her in the freezer, and then texted her dad so he would think she was alive. And he says, no, I did it because the dad had COVID and was doing bad, and I thought he was going to die, so I wanted him to think his daughter was alive. And I love that he thinks he's, like, that's yeah. the part. But he's like, no, actually, I texted for different reasons. It's like, okay, but you're not denying the main murder part. Okay, like, this is such classic murder vibes, though. Like, making excuses and reasons and, like, focusing on details that don't actually matter mm. to, like, the terrible deed you did do. Like, if he didn't kill Maria, he would have killed someone else. Yeah. He's an incel. So, um, yeah, he's just such a good guy. So he hoped he would die without knowing about his daughter. Um, Carisi says, wow, the hits just keep on coming. I'm going to get Lexi released. And Sean, hello. He's still at Rikers. And Carisi goes on and on about robbery and this and that. And they're like, just cut him loose and drop the charges, dude. Like, no one gives a shit about edibles and passports at the moment. Because also this guy, Perry, was about to let two people go fucking down for this, too. Like, he was just, like, like on top of the— he thinks he's such a good guy, but it's like, you were going to let two fucking people just go to jail. So then the Italian cops on FaceTime thanking Benson on behalf of Maria's father. They talk about how life is precious and for Olivia to take care of herself and they hang up on FaceTime. She takes the photo of Maria into her hand and stares at it. And that's the end, but there is no Dick Wolf. And the next slide is in memory of Jerry Hewitt. Um, and that was a stuntman who passed away at age 71 oh. on November 22nd, 2020 from a stroke. He worked with Dick Wolf for all 20 seasons of Law & Order, all 22 seasons of SVU from 1999, the pilot, to the, like, through 2021. Um, and he is very accomplished. He also worked with the Coen brothers on 14 movies. Yeah. And was a very prolific I'm so glad you looked that up because I love looking that. I love looking up, like, when episodes are dedicated to a person. I'm always like, who was that? Like, I always look it up but I didn't on this one. Yeah, and so that's Remember Me in Quarantine. And I'm really excited to hear about this crime because I know it's so famous and like it is in the zeitgeist, but I know very, very little Ooh, about okay, it. Oh, okay, great, So I'm great. really excited. Happy to tell you all about it. Stay with us after this quick word from our sponsors.
Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. All right, let's get started on this true crime, guys. This episode is very clearly based off of the infamous case of Amanda Knox and Meredith Kircher, uh, which I have been obsessed with since the jump. I mean, there was a big article in Vanity Fair that came out about this right after it happened, and I read the whole thing and was like just really taken by it because I just— I don't know. Something just felt well, weird Italy. about... Yeah, is it, it, is yes. Italy. Yes. I studied Italy. abroad in Italy. I lived in Italy after college. I have worked in Italy. I'm really obsessed with all things Italian. I've never really been to the area Perugia where, um, where this all took place, but it's all familiar to me in terms of... I've been to small towns and smaller cities. And so I, I was just... And like a girl on her semester abroad having this happen, like it was just all so familiar to me. And I was like, what went down. So I'm going to go. Do you know there's a comedian who's friends with Amanda Knox? No. Who? Whitney Cummings and Amanda Knox are friends. Through like Twitter and stuff? No, they hang out. Amanda's been on the podcast and then like Jenna Friedman opened for Whitney in some city and Amanda was there hanging out. That's so wild. Like they know each other. Yeah. Okay, well... I mean, this should be called The Murder of Meredith Kircher, but because it became such an international crime obsession, like Amanda Knox very much got top billing and it's always called like the Amanda Knox, you know, case. But essentially what happened was Meredith Susanna Kara Kircher, middle name of Kara with a C, but still thought I'd mention it, was killed on November 1st, 2007 in Perugia, Italy. She was a British college student on her semester abroad, and she lived with two Italian girls and an American girl named Amanda Knox, who is from Seattle. Uh, so on November 1st, the two Italian roommates were out of town and Amanda was, uh, reportedly at the home of her boyfriend, Raffaele Solecito. So Raffaele is only her boyfriend of five days. They met the week before at a concert that she was at with Meredith. So that's important, I think, to note that just like this romance of theirs is five days old when this goes down. And I don't think I realized that in my initial, uh, 
you know, findings about this like years and years ago. So on the morning of November 2nd, after sleeping at her boyfriend's place, Amanda goes back to her apartment. The front door is open and Meredith's door is closed and locked and she figures, oh, she's sleeping. So she takes a shower and she she has a bathroom that she shares with Meredith and she notices some drops of blood and like a partial bloody footprint in the bathroom. But maybe in her mind, she's like, oh, someone cut themselves shaving Someone got their period. Like, who knows what she's thinking? She also saw shit in the toilet of the bathroom that the other two roommates shared. I don't know why she was in that bathroom, but, like, somebody had left, like, a lot of, like, diarrhea, basically. So she goes back to Raffaele's place and brings him back. Does she flush it? No. No. She doesn't flush the shit, which is weird. No. But it's probably good she didn't. I know, but if you went into a bathroom that was filled with shit, you'd probably flush it. Maybe she thought it was clogged. I don't know. That's a good question, but I don't know what was what was up. She did not flush it, I don't think. And so um, she goes back to Raffaele's place, gets him, brings him back to her place, and that's when they notice that one of the roommate's windows has been broken. So there's some kind of break-in element here. And at that point, Raffaele tries to break down the door of Meredith's room, but he couldn't. So he calls his sister, who is a carabinieri, which is a Italian police officer. They have, they have the polizia and then they have the carabinieri. And I never have really been able to understand the difference between the two. Like I had a friend who was a poliziotto and then I met other people that were carabinieri. And I was always like, can you guys tell me like what the difference is? I know we have Italian listeners, so someone will write it to me. But um, there, it's, it might be kind of like, it might be sort of the difference between like NYPD and New York State troopers. You know what I mean? So his sister is a carabinieri and she says, yeah, call 911, but the, the Italian version is 112. So while this is going on, I guess Amanda calls one of the Italian roommates and she comes home and she finds Kircher's two cell phones in a nearby garden. So that's weird. This girl's like two phones are, you know, similar to Maria's phone being dead in the episode. Um, the roommate asks the cops to open the door. Like the cops have gotten there and the roommate's like, can you open the door? And the cops are like, no. So the cops suck even internationally. They just didn't think there was a need to open the door. So then the Italian roommate's guy friend is like, fuck this and forces the door down around 1.15 and they find Meredith's body on the floor covered by a duvet. Her throat has been slit and she's partially nude. So um, on an autopsy found 16 bruises and seven cuts, including bruises and a few insubstantial cuts on the palm of her hand, bruising on her nose, nostrils, mouth, and under her jaw, basically line up with someone who's had their like hand, a hand clamped over their mouth and nose while they're being assaulted probably. So that this is like horrible. This girl is like very well-liked, very beautiful, very like just truly an all-around kind of, like, girl that everyone is a fan of when you hear people talk about her. So, um, Amanda Knox was immediately suspected by police because of what they deemed her, quote-unquote, strange behavior. I'm sorry if you guys can hear dogs barking. I just, I have neighbors with dogs that are very vocal. Um, So, as the police sort of investigated the crime scene and brought out the body and all of that, like there is footage of Amanda nearby acting kind of strange. She's like doing cartwheels and stretches. She's like heavily canoodling with Raffaele, her boyfriend, like making out and kissing and stuff. It's not illegal, but obviously, but it's definitely a weird vibe when your roommate has just been like sexually assaulted and murdered to just be sort of, I don't know, but... The stretches are fine. I think it's the cartwheels that take it to the next yes. level. Yeah, cartwheels are weird. It's sort of, but it's like if you see footage of Amanda pre, 
this whole case, like which there is in the, I watched the Amanda Knox documentary on Netflix uh, for a second time for this and like, you know, footage that you see of her. She was just kind of like a quirky girl. Like she kind of like, she just seemed almost like nerdy and and like she would just say weird shit and do weird shit. I don't know, but not in like a way that was creepy or anything. Just like, you wouldn't be surprised that she's like doing a cartwheel in a weird situation. I think when you see but I think most people were like, this is very strange. So well, what happened to her, though, was not cool. I mean, she was uh, brought into Italian police. Originally, she went in of her own accord, thinking she was helping with the investigation. She was questioned extensively for, I believe, 50-plus hours over the course of five days without the presence of a lawyer. She claims that the police screamed at her, slapped her, told her she was lying over and over again, told her she was going to jail. She said she wasn't given food or water or allowed to use the bathroom. You know, there's this... She has this extensive story about how they literally just like were hammering things and saying, remember, remember, and like slamming their fists down and hitting her and stuff like that. So the police obviously tell the opposite story. They say she was given food and water and bathroom access. She was never hit. She asked about a lawyer, but she didn't have one. I don't know if their laws are exactly the same as ours where the minute you lawyer up, it's like, well, you got to shut up and you can't talk to the person. I think it's possible she said, can I get a lawyer? And they were like, do you have one? And she was like, no. And then they were like, okay, moving on. You know, like, I don't really know how it works over there. So um, essentially what happened was she was under so much pressure from the police. And this is very similar to a little bit what happens to Lexi in the episode that after they repeatedly told her over and over again, like, you're involved, you're involved, you were there. Tell us what happened. You were there. She says, okay, I I guess I was there. Like, I guess I did. And then she said, I remember Patrick Lumumba being there and I remember Meredith screaming. And this is after saying over and over again, I wasn't home. I was not home when this happened. So they, they you know, bullied her, I guess, over and over until she had almost like a hallucination, like I was there. And it's sort of what happened at Lexi. And she talks about it in the um, doc where she's like, I just, I started to think, okay, Maybe I heard Meredith scream it, like, and imagining these things. So I mentioned Patrick Lumumba. He was a bar owner in Perugia who had actually hired Amanda to work at his bar. So he, earlier that evening, this is a in, really interesting part of this case to me. He, earlier that evening, had texted her and said, your shift is canceled. You don't need to come into work. This is the night that Meredith is murdered. So she sent him a text back that said, um, okay, buona serata, ci vediamo più tardi, which means, okay, good night. I'll see you later. But I guess if you're really looking at the Italian, I'll see you, più tardi means like, we have an appointment. I'll see you later at that thing. Not like, oh, I'll just see you later. So the police thought, no, this is see you later. Like, I'm going to meet up with you later and we're going to fucking kill this girl together. Like, that's what the police were really, really harping on. And she's just kind of like, no, I just don't speak great Italian. Like, I could have easily seen myself sending a text like this. My friend one time, my friend Lara in Italy, she's Italian. She is throwing up from drinking. We're out. She's barfing from drinking. I go out to my Italian friends and I go, guys, Lara e malata, which means Lara is sick, but it literally means she's sick of like cancer or like a serious disease. Like I didn't say Lara is not doing, like Lara's barfing. And so the Italians all just started laughing at me because they were like, and for weeks they would go, Lara e malata, like this whole joke about how I was like, Lara has some long-standing disease, you know? But really, I should have just said, Lara non sta bene, okay? So I learned my lesson and then I don't make that mistake again. Unfortunately, this girl is now being 
being under a full microscope and the Italians are like, no, you said see you later. Like, I would like an Italian speaker, fluent Italian speaker to tell me, like, should she have just said, okay, adopo? Like, would that have been a better thing that just means, okay, later? But like, see you, putardi really just, I guess, kind of means that you have an arranged time to see each other. And that's what they were harping on. I guess it's comforting to know that police are terrible internationally, everywhere, just horrible (laughs) at their jobs, horrible people. It's nice to know that. Yeah, for sure. Like, couldn't take into account, like, you're a detective, you're a police officer, and you can't take into account that this is a foreign exchange student whose texts might not be perfect Italian. Exactly. Like, it's so fucked up. And I think that she was also trying to recount some of her some of her alibi and her and the information of the case in Italian. And she just didn't have the Italian skills. And she had an interpreter, but then they said later her interpreter had, like, a weird relationship with her and was trying to, like, mother her and kind of, like, took some liberties with translating for her. So it just seems like if I ever, like, I do, I speak decent Italian. If I ever got in trouble in Italy, I'd be like, get me an interpreter right now. Like, we're doing this all in English. Like, we're not doing a word of this in Italian. Like, just because you don't want anything to get fucked up when it's your life on the line here. I was trying to sign up to volunteer to translate for, like, Russian right now. Mm. And then, but the end was like, and what's your resume? And I was like, oh, I don't think I can do this. (laughs) You're like, my family? (laughs) Fighting with my dad? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I guess I can't help anybody in in that capacity. So the cops are convinced that like, yes, she had this appointment. And so not so Amanda, Raffaele, and Patrick Lumumba are all taken into custody and charged with murder. And um, eventually, Patrick Lumumba has multiple customers who alibi him being at the bar. So he's released. Yeah, that's what's so wild. It's like talking about this crime in a different place where it's like, do you know what circumstantial evidence is? Was there any DNA? Like they just arrested people for murder. Do you need less stuff there? that they could just go off on a hunch. It is um, something I don't think about often, like all the different laws. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't really know the different, I, I, yeah, I have no idea. But the other thing too about Italy is that like, Italy does not have a lot of murder. Like there is not a lot of body to body crime in Italy. So, um, you know, I don't know if they are, I don't know how- Gucci, wait, Gucci was in Italy, right? Yes, Gucci was in Italy. But like, you know- um, not that they never had a murder, but it's just not as prominent as here. So I don't know what the police, if the, all the police, especially in like Perugia, it's a smaller town or city. I don't even know if it's a city or a town, but it's smaller. And so it's not this, quite the same as maybe like the police in Rome or Milan or something. But um, at this point, um, they have Amanda and Raffaele in custody, but they are positive that a third person was involved because of the shit that they found because of bloody fingerprints and DNA all over Meredith. So there is DNA and all over Meredith's room. And they all match up with a guy named Rudy Gede, who is a African immigrant who fled to Germany shortly after the murder. Not great. Not a great look. He was extradited back to Italy. And then Gede, Knox, and and Solecito were all charged with Meredith's murder. Um, 
So essentially what happens in this doc that I watched is that they show this, um, they show this really creepy, do you remember the episode with Christine Lottie and the guy that was drinking and she shows that, that weird 3D video yeah. and she shows the wrong one? So this is kind of what this video is. It's like very Uncanny Valley. It's like weird, like animated versions of the people. And so what they, what they, and I think it's from Taiwan or something or another country like made this, but they show it in the documentary. And, um, um, they're like, this is what the police's theory is, that it's very similar to the episode, that Rudy and Raphael and Amanda are all in the apartment, drinking, drugging, getting horny, and that Meredith comes home and scolds them for their whoring ways, and so they kill her. Or Amanda said, guys, kill this girl for me, and they're obsessed with Amanda, so they do it. It's a wild theory, and it, it immediately shows you how much judgment is on Amanda. Like, such a fucked up thing in this documentary is, like, these investigators just talking about Amanda. Like, yeah, she just brought guys home. She was this way. She was immoral. She was very strong and, like, proud. And it was, like, they just hated that this was, like, a woman who spoke up for herself or had any kind of sexual freedom. You could just tell that they were more old-fashioned about it. And it's interesting just from my own personal perspective, and I will, granted, I lived in Italy many, many years ago, like going on less than 20 years ago, but I remember my Italian guy friends always being like, yeah, we like you and your friends because you guys are like very open and you'll talk to us. And the Italian girls won't speak to us. Like Italian girls are very like more closed off. And I have like Italian girlfriends who are great, but it like took me a long time to like get in with them because they even told me, they were like, we just thought you guys were like American girls and you were like too much, you know, like too like out there and wild or whatever. So you can see there's sort of a cultural... But the cultural stuff about women, but also what I hear from people that go to Italy are the men are very aggressive. It's catcall central and they're just out to compliment and fuck. And so, and yeah. they're very sexist there um, and chauvinistic culture. And I'm watching Jersey Housewives, no offense to Italy, but there's a <laughs> lot of old school, like oh, my son's a, a slut. Great. You're not dating till 21. Right. It is a double standard. So like maybe the women have to be closed off because these men are fucking exactly. creeps everywhere. Oh, completely. You I know? don't blame them at all. But I yeah. am saying that like also culturally there's this, there's this vibe about American women you know, that they come over and they're like, you know, they're, they, they want to like just party and do whatever. And I'm sure that the abroad program's perpetuate that a little bit. I definitely went to Italy and partied and was at dance clubs and having a blast and making out with whoever. So, you know, but I would say that that that's all, all of this is on top of what's going on with like the way that the yeah, cops are treating like, Amanda. The fact that no one was like, oh, these men made Amanda do it. It's immediately like Amanda lured these guys yes. and they had no power. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they're they're talking about her bad morals and stuff and like it's basically like you guys just didn't think that she behaved appropriately and so like in your minds she's guilty of something and so they were contorting the narrative in any way to make it so that she was she was uh guilty. So uh, the cops actually got Gede, Rudy Gede on a call with an informant telling his whole version of the story. And his version of the story is that he and Meredith were going to hook up, but neither one of them had a condom. He said he went to the bathroom where he like got sick 
i.e. the huge deuce that he didn't flush. And when he came out of the bathroom, a man was fleeing the scene and Meredith, like he heard the screaming, he came out of the bathroom and and a man was fleeing the scene and Meredith was murdered. And that's how he got his blood, her blood on him and his fingerprints in the blood because he was trying to help her or whatever. But this mystery person left. And then in the doc, they show this text message where he says, oh, and also Amanda had nothing to do with this. She was not there. That's what Rudy says. Then at the trial, he of course changes his story because now like his life is on the line. So he'll probably say what the fuck ever. And now he says, oh, I saw Amanda fleeing the apartment. So I think most judges would take that with a grain of salt. It's like you already established that she, you said she wasn't there, but um, he had some kind of fast track trial. So he was found guilty October of 2008. So a year later of the sexual assault and murder of Meredith. And he was sentenced to 30 years, which was later cut down to 16 years. And he's still in prison. Yeah, but it's like, wait, let me just see. Like I, if it's 16 years, then 2023 would be when he gets out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be 2023. So we'll see. I mean, maybe, I don't know what the parole like is over there. So I don't know if there's a possibility of keeping him in, but um, that's his sentence later got reduced. So even though he was convicted of Meredith's murder, the police were still super, super convinced that Amanda and Raffaele were also involved. And as we know, exactly what happened in the episode of SVU, she becomes a subject of unprecedented media attention. And this is fueled by leak after leak by the prosecution, just like in the episode. Like, they're leaking so much fucking information. Like, there's actually this really smarmy um, British journalist who also speaks Italian. I think he's Italian-British. And he is like, God, the photocopy places in Perugia must have made a ton of money because all the reporters were just out passing each other all the information and the files and photocopying everything and like sharing information with each other. So, you know, they were calling her Foxy Noxy, which actually that nickname came from her own MySpace page. She had that on her MySpace page as like, uh, she's 20 years old. Like she just had like a gag name, like, oh, I'm Foxy Noxy. And so they called her that in the press, like Sexy Lexi. And then she was like, she was referred to as a witch of deception, Lucifer-like, satanic, demonic, diabolical, like, all these words used to describe her in the Italian press. And there's, as far as I know, there's no sequestering. So the whoever's on a jury or who's ever like uh, responsible for her deliberation of her guilt or innocence is literally just being exposed to a barrage of negative press about her. Um, and then here are the two pieces of evidence that the Italian authorities have against Amanda and Raffaele. Number one is a knife that they found in Raphael's apartment that had both Amanda and Meredith's DNA on it. Not blood, DNA. The other was they said they found Raphael's DNA, touch DNA, on the clasp of Meredith's bra that had been ripped off, like her bra had been ripped off of her, and so the clasp was ripped off. So... A lot of experts say that these findings should be ruled out because it's likely the result of DNA contamination. Um, there's a guy named Dr. Greg Hampikian, who is from Boise State University, and he's also the founder of the Idaho Innocence Project at Boise State University. And he says, you can't really wash the blood off and leave the DNA in any practical sense, which means that the few cells or molecules might have been from the laboratory after they'd amplified Miss Kircher's DNA. So they said that there have just been claims that all the initial evidence was handled by multiple people using dirty gloves, like investigators entered the crime scene and went in and out. There was, they were originally not 
wearing any protective clothing. The clasp was handed back and forth to several people at the scene. Like, one of the things they were saying was, you know how her door was locked? Like, Raffaele tried to get her door open. It's very possible that when they reached onto the, when they went to open the door, they got his DNA, their, his touch DNA on their gloves, and then they touched the clasp. It's just not, the, I guess DNA contamination is very common. And, uh, Obviously, DNA is pretty trustworthy, but this contamination is... There's a way that they were talking about with the science that they should be able to, like, replicate the DNA, and they can't when it's just this touch stuff that's probably been transferred. So... I don't know. I'm sure there's scientists that are going to get on me for being like butchering I know, the but then how here. did they book the other guy without having the full story and all of this weird evidence? No, the other guy at this point has been convicted or is is booked and is convicted. I know, but that's what I mean. But it's like, how do you convict him with no actual evidence? Like, his or was the evidence? Well, his bloody because, fingerprints were everywhere. Like his okay. poop was in the toilet. His blood, his fingers. He, there was like a bloody footprint of his. A bloody. So handprint. he did it for sure. This in my is opinion. the, this is, remind me, who, this isn't the bar owner. Who no, is this? this is Rudy Gede, the, the, the guy who just was like a guy that they knew around town. Like the thing is, is like Amanda was like, I kind of knew this guy. I'd seen him in passing. I think I maybe watched him play basketball with some of my friends before. Like uh, there were other guys that lived in the house in another apartment and one of them was dating Meredith and he kind of knew Rudy and played basketball with him. So he wasn't a total random, but also Amanda and him didn't have each other's phone numbers. Like that, that comes up later in an appeal. Like how exactly did they mastermind this whole plot? No one texted each other. No one called each other. Like there's no communication between them. And she's like, I didn't really know him. I knew of him. Like I, you know, I saw him around. So in my opinion, Rudy acted alone and it was Rudy. But the cops are like dying to convict these other two and connect them as it being the three of them. Meanwhile, Raffaele is like this nerdy guy. He's like never had a girlfriend before. He's so excited that this like cute American girl is into him. Like he's kind of in the documentary, he's like, remind me why I would go ahead and just murder someone and like ruin my, like how my life was going well. Like, why would I do that? So, um, and I think their argument is like, oh, because your like witch girlfriend made you do, put you under her spell and made you do it. So it's heavily argued that the touch DNA is can, has been contaminated and there's also the bra strap has multiple points of Gede's DNA on it. So it's like, you know, Bucci maybe tried to explain away by saying that they were like about to hook up and then didn't. But she was dating someone, so I don't really know what her deal would be with that. So meanwhile, none of Amanda's DNA was found anywhere on Meredith, like nowhere on her clothes, her purse, her bra, like anywhere. And like, how is it possible that she bashed this girl's head and then held her down to be sexually assaulted and then stabbed her and left zero DNA? Like, even if she was just commanding the guys to do it, she had no part in it. She didn't touch her at all. Like, it just doesn't. And and of all of, if Raphael helped do it, he only got a little touch DNA on the bra. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, we talk about this all the time. Are you smart enough to fully clean up all of your evidence and all of your DNA? And the cops kept saying, oh, Amanda wiped down the place for her DNA. She, How do you wipe down your DNA and not get a's DNA <laughs> and not Raffaele's DNA? It like just doesn't make sense. The cops are really stretching it over in Italy. But my confusion is like, you got the guy. I Why know. are they so hell bent on this? Because now the story is huge and they just like want to get this like American she-devil girl. Like this is all part of it. I think it's really all a lot of part of sexism and like 
They're just really trying to implicate that these this couple was involved and that it was this big sex story and an orgy gone wrong, as they kept saying. So it's nuts. Um, on And Amanda's defense was like showing all these texts between Amanda and Meredith saying that they were friends. Like they were together at the concert where she met Raffaele. Like they were pals. Like they might not have been best friends, but they hung out, you know? So um, on December 5th, 2009, So now it's been two years since the murder and Amanda Knox is now 22. She is convicted on charges of faking a break-in, defamation, sexual violence, and murder. So she's convicted and she is sentenced to 26 years in jail. And Solecito is sentenced to 25 years. And it's wild. And like, even while she was being held in jail, she was keeping a diary that got leaked to the press. They told her when she was being held in jail that she was HIV positive. Like, they just seemed like they were torturing her mentally like the whole time she was being held to go to trial. In Italy, essentially everyone hated her because of the press coverage. And so when she was convicted, they were all like, okay, job well done, seems fair. And then in the U.S., it was very much considered like a miscarriage of justice. Like nobody was like this, a lot of people were like, this is not right. Um, And she was obviously devastated after she was convicted. She was considering suicide. And we know a lot about how she was feeling because she had this full diary that she kept that was, of course, leaked to the press. And then... The following year, after her conviction, she's indicted on charges of slander for saying that the cops slapped her. So now they want to add three, um, I think it's three years. They want to add three years onto her sentence for saying that the cops slapped her. And I don't necessarily think she's making that up. Two years later, on October 3rd, 2011, on an appeal, they find that the DNA evidence did not support the conviction and Amanda and Raffaele are found not guilty of murder. So now they are free to go and the judges found that she was interrogated at length for too long in a language that she didn't know. And um, they also said there was no connection between Gede and Amanda and Raffaele. Like, no, like, how did they set up the sex orgy with, like, smoke signals? It doesn't make any sense. And then... um, they did uphold her conviction for falsely accusing Patrick Lumumba, and but that was a three-year sentence and she had already served that amount of time. So she was released and she returned to Seattle. So um, on March 26th, Italy's highest court, which is, uh, it sounds like it's their Supreme Court, set aside the acquittal. So they said the acquittal's not correct and they had a retrial and Amanda did have counsel present, but she did not return to Italy for this. <laughs> no. No, she was like, I'm not going back. And then um, on January um, 30th, 2014, so now she's been released from jail now for like three years, they find them guilty again. And the report said that there must have been a cleanup to remove traces of Knox from the building while leaving Gede's there. And I just wrote in capital letters, like, how is this possible? Like, it is impossible to wipe down a crime scene for certain DNA, I feel like. And so it makes no sense, but that's what the cops were going for and the law was going for over in Italy. So after the 2014 uh, re-conviction, I don't think she was extradited back to the United States. And then, so she never did go back to jail. Maybe they were working on extradition, but that takes time or perhaps it was contingent on appeal. Well, and with extradition, it's like I would never go back. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, March 27th, 2015, um, at this point, it's like seven and a half years after the murder of Meredith Kircher. The final appeal by uh, Amanda and Raffaele was heard by the Supreme Court of Cassation, and it was ruled that the case was without foundation, thereby 
completely acquitting them of murder. And uh, it actually ruled that they were innocent in involvement of the murder, not just like, oh, there's not enough evidence to convict them. It's like they're innocent. So the European Court of Human Rights, the ECHR, said that Italy should pay Knox 18,400 euros, which is about $20,000, for failing to provide her with a lawyer and an appropriate interpreter when she was first detained. Um, But it didn't find any evidence about her mistreatment in police custody. I mean, I don't know how you prove that you were slapped by a cop if it's not on video, unless you, I mean, you don't always have a bruise from a slap, you know? So the slap, <laughs> the slap. <laughs> so now Amanda is a writer and an activist. Um, uh, as Lisa mentioned, she's been she's back in the state. She's going on podcasts. She hosted a Facebook show about the gendered nature of public shaming. She is married. Uh, her husband proposed to her in a truly the dorkiest way possible. It's like a six minute YouTube video that went viral, and I could not get through it. It was just too nerdy. It had to do. What with do you like, mean? Like what? Was it was it? like oh, a meteorite landed in their backyard. And then when she opened it, there was like a rock with these words on it. It was so dorky. I just, I couldn't. And she kept going, what's going on? And I was like, I can't. But you're welcome to look up Amanda Knox's proposal if that's something that you think would tickle you. Um, And she recently had a kid. So she's on Twitter. I read a full Twitter thread about how she said, um, which I, I will put in our show notes, but she said, you know, you would think that of this whole thing, the jail time would be the worst. The, um, you know, seeing my roommate murdered would be the worst part of it. But truly the worst part of it was the interrogation. Like they just hammered at me for five days and I just felt like I was going insane. They gaslit me like it was. And I'm not, I don't think that's what the cops did in this episode, but you can see how the added pressure of the pandemic and the cops saying, tell us what happened, tell us what happened was driving Lexi a little bit nuts, you know? So, And what about the victims' parents? Do we have any uh, info on how they feel about everything? I mean, I think the victims' family was like, uh, when when you watch the doc, like they definitely are happy when um, everybody gets convicted. They're like, it just feels like justice for Meredith for us. But I don't really know why they felt like Amanda and Raffaele were so involved. Maybe Meredith had said stuff like, oh, my roommate's weird. I don't like her. Like behind her back, who knows? Like kind of what happened with the episode where the dad said, these people are all bad people. Like my daughter told me that they were. Um, but the family talks, you know, they appear a lot and in, in a lot into the press. And it just must have been really tough because they're trying to get justice for their daughter and sister. And and it's just this sensationalized case about Foxy Noxy and like a sex orgy. And it's like, they just want to know what happened to their, you know, family member. So, yeah, I feel bad. I didn't even know the victim's name. You know, it's all about Amanda Knox. Yeah. Who's a victim in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize she served so many, so many years. Yeah. When I first read about it, I was like, mm, maybe she did have something to do with it. And like, it's like when you just really get the whole story, like everything in front of you, you're like, oh, this is not, there's just not enough there. Yeah. But Thank that's you. that. That's the Amanda Knox case and the case of the murder of Meredith Kircher. <laughs> I mean, it seems like she's having, she has a pretty full life and hopefully, I mean, it's again, it sounds like sort of the Elizabeth Smart thing. It's like a horrible thing happened to both of these women, but they've kind of turned it into careers of advocacy and, you know. 
So good she didn't flush that diarrhea. I yeah. wonder if the guy would have been caught without it. I think he would have because his his fingerprints were like in the blood and like he's his DNA was everywhere in her room. So yeah, it's just it is. And there's strange. no motive or anything. He just was a rape murderer. I think it's possible that he came around like, yeah, he saw that she was home alone or something like that. And he had seen her through knowing her boyfriend. And yeah, maybe he just was like oh, let me see if I can get her to hook up. And then maybe he, when she said no, I don't know. I, that's a great question, what his motive was. But it, I mean, DNA-wise, I, I guess it's also possible his story is true, that this person came in and murdered this man that escaped in the night, like came in and in the moment that he was taking a huge dump, murdered this girl and escaped. It's just not, that's just not like, well, there feasible. would be another set of DNA. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. And um, yeah, his DNA was inside of her. So like they obviously had some kind of, you know, she, he sexual assaulted her for sure. They just wanted to get her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, it really sounds when you watch the documentary that when they found the touch DNA on the knife at Raffaele's house, that they were like, this is it. Like, this is the smoking gun. But the evidence just doesn't seem like it holds up. Like, also, yeah, like they brought the knife back to the house. Yeah, it just seems weird. But they were, I think that finding those two pieces of DNA on the bra clasp and the knife is what made them continue to go after Amanda and Raffaele, even though Rudy was essentially fully convicted and was considered the killer. And now we have a guest. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Today's guest, we just had the best time talking to this person, a fellow reality TV aficionado. You guys have seen her in my friend's movie, Fourth Man Out. You've seen her on the legendary soap opera, All My Children, Pine Valley, USA, What Is Up? But you knew her on today's episode as Sexy Lexi. Guys, we were thrilled to talk to the very funny and cool Jordan Lane Price. You have a mutual with Kara. Yeah, we want to start out with a mutual friend. My friend Jed Melick produced your the movie Fourth Man Out that you were in. Oh my gosh, yeah. He wow. says to say hi. He says, you're great. Oh. <laughs> and I saw hi. Fourth Man Out like three times because like it would it was like an outfest and then I saw a screening before it came out. Like so I love yeah. that movie. It's great. Yeah, you've seen yeah. it more than I have. I I, I <laughs> I mean, it was so charming, though. I was so I was so pleased with how it came out. It was a good yeah, one. It was great. And if yeah. you're interested um, to know this, Jed and Kara went to high school together, and they were both uh, named Biggest Gossips. So. No, I love Jed. He's Thank so sweet. You. No, Aww. he's the best. He's yeah. the best. It's nice to have a high school friend in town. You're in New York, yeah. right? Yes. And I was just okay. saying, it's like summer here. It's like warm today. And then we're supposed to have snow on Friday. Oh my god! Across the board, it's crazy. Yeah. We both used to live in New York for many, many years, so like I remember all that crazy. Yeah, up but and today's down. probably glorious. Like, are you going to maybe take a jaunt around the neighborhood? Oh yeah, I'm going to take my dog out. We're going to go for a walk. Go to Fort Greene. <laughs> I'm close to Prospect. We'll do something. Yeah, nice. Love yeah. it. Love it. So, were you living in New York when you did SVU? I was, yeah. In so the middle of was, a pandemic, yeah. <laughs> it it was insane. It was the strangest experience, mainly because like during the pandemic, some people were like very active with trying to see a few people. I saw no one. I was like, it was me and my dog. I think it had been like 
six, seven months, maybe not like five, six months of seeing no one. So being on set was my first time being around like anyone. Yeah. Which was really bizarre. And it was like SVU. So you're like seeing people you've seen on screen for years. So, so bizarre. A very wild experience. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a real mind... Fuck, excuse my language. Oh, um, yeah. But like, just well, it was one like, of the first things uh, out and that touched on COVID because I feel like it was one of the first shows working besides Drag Race, maybe. Yeah, no, I I think it was one of the first shows back. I was kind of shocked. I hadn't had any tapes. I think that was my only self-tape in that whole time period. Um, and I, I think I was two weeks late getting it in because I was like a zombie. I'm still kind of like a zombie. <laughs> but I I finally was like, okay, I should just do it. And I had auditioned for the show like many times before. So oh, really? I mean, you guys are actors, right? Like you get it's like, okay, I, you know, I kind of thought they just they don't jive with me. It's fine. No, but we hear this all the time. They probably were just waiting for the right moment. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But I mean. I I guess, I mean, it's a good thing I sent it. Finally, my agents were like, just send it. So I put something together and then, yeah, it was very weird. And then the callbacks, the director session, everything was over Zoom. Um, wow. And then getting it was like, oh, this is so, so crazy. And I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't get one before because it was like the quarantine episode, which is pretty historical. So I was, I'm still, I'm happy yeah. about that. Yeah. And a juicy part. You're in throughout the whole episode. A lot of lies, interrogation, double team interrogations. You had a lot of iconic moments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was was a doozy. It was definitely (laughs) a good part to use my, like, pandemic angst. Yeah, because I was saying, like, you know, this was, like, I think the... Yeah, this is the third episode of season 22. So they had addressed the pandemic in season... In episode one and two. But this was, like, your character really... I remember watching it for Mm -hmm. the first time. And then I obviously watched it again, like, yesterday. But um, when I watched it the first time, I was like, wow, this is, like, really getting to, like, how people are feeling. And specifically in New York. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're in L.A. and we can get out a little bit more. You guys have like the weather and like just the so many more, the city's much more compact. So I remember thinking like, wow, this is really like, this girl's really expressing like what it felt like. Like when your character says something like, I feel like I was dying inside or something, Mm -hmm. you know? Like I had friends that were like single and were like, I just haven't seen anyone in like weeks and months and like it's driving me crazy. And I really thought like, it's interesting that you were sort of feeling that way in real life and you brought that to your character. Yeah, and I think that that probably played into uh, me even getting the part because I hadn't seen anyone and I did feel kind of like this strange... I don't know that anyone... I mean, I think all of us collectively, we've never felt something like this, this level mm-hmm. of isolation. So, and and particularly in New York where we are used to seeing people all the time, yeah. being cooped up, especially... And our spaces, we live in small, small, mm. tiny apartments. It, it, your mental health is definitely affected. So I do think they did a really good job of writing that in and making Lexi like really, you know, she's starting to go crazy. 
Um, and also the fact that Lexi is from Florida. Like there's this whole other level of people in other parts of the country. And I grew up in rural Pennsylvania where I, do, you know, the town I grew up in, they weren't really taking it seriously. So Lexi right. has this added level of like, I don't care. Like, I don't really, like, what is this? Like what's happening? I don't yeah. care. Um, so I think they did that well in terms of incorporating, you know, how people aren't quite taking it serious and then you're forced to be, you know, isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Your character um, was like equally angst, obviously a lot going on. They do think yeah. she's a murderer, but also like <laughs> sexy Lexi. Um, and you had to keep I'll, the I'll sexy I'll never up. live that down. I'll never live that down. My friends still call me sexy Lexi. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Was that like a, was that natural? Or were they like, was the director like more sexy? Like, uh, what was... No, actually, I don't. I mean, it was all kind of a blur. <laughs> Honestly, shooting it, it was very strange because the the actors and all the crew, they were coming, but this was the first episode they were shooting. So everybody was a little bit on edge. And I think that even like Mariska, like she plays into the intimidating, not like method acting, but like she definitely brings that sort of like intimidation factor on set. Like there wasn't a lot of chit chat. Like I'm very chatty. So like between takes, I'm used to kind of like, with my fellow actors. And it wasn't really like that. It was kind of like, we're getting down to business. I didn't really have a lot of chat with her in between. So it kind of mimicked this, like me being intimidated. And, um, mm. and, and there wasn't a lot of talk of the sexy thing. I mean, I think as an actor, I hate that phrase, but as an actor, I go out for a lot of roles. I've played quite a few um, spunky or sassy you know, sex appeal characters, whether that's a good or bad thing, you know. Um, but I, yeah, that I think was, I, I felt pretty natural about just kind of like infusing it with a little bit of that because I mean, that's her personality. She uses her sex appeal to get things. Um, but that wasn't really talked about a lot um, when we were shooting it. Well, I think also because this case, this episode's uh, loosely based on Amanda Knox. Yes. And yeah. like she was called Foxy yeah. Noxy, even though mm -hmm. she didn't really do anything, like when she had a boyfriend, like she did nothing to earn <laughs> that. So yeah. it was like, you know, Kat Tamin, the character of Kat was like, mm -hmm. all those guys are fucking around. Why is she the only one getting slut shamed? So it's, I think the sexy Lexi's all tied up in that too. Like you didn't really deserve that nickname, even though you are kind of a fun time girl, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Not you, but yeah. No, and that happens, yeah, that happens in the media all the time. And I think, you know, the Amanda Knox case, I knew that. I mean, they had mentioned that to me, but I purposefully did not like research the Amanda Knox case. I kind of kept it separate in my mind though. I knew like even the orange shirt, that was like on purpose. That was because I think there's like a picture of Amanda Knox, like in her, oh. like, um, I don't know if it was a prison shirt or she was wearing something similar. They did little things. I hope I'm allowed to say that they did little things yeah. to make it, you know, parallel to that case, but I didn't really look into it a whole lot, but I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I could see the similarities. And yeah, the nickname was, you know, taken yeah. from that for sure. No, it's good that you didn't look into it, I think, because like yeah. ultimately Amanda was very awkward and like your person, your, your vibe was just different. You were doing mm -hmm. more of like a, what? Like, you know, sort of like a, a 
fun, burnt out, per, like, yes. you know, you know, like you had sort of a different vibe. So it's yeah. probably good that you she didn't She was a little bit play. trashier. Yeah, I yeah. think Lexi was a bit trashier. We can just say yeah, Lexi it. doesn't speak <laughs> Italian. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I don't either. <laughs> the Pennsylvania trash in me. I really, uh, that's why it comes natural, like, you know. <laughs> well, it. I also loved, and it, I don't know, it was meaningful to me when they're like, well, what's the guy's name? And the character's like, I don't know, get away from me. And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, Lexi. Like, who cares? Sometimes you yeah. just go out. <laughs> I yeah, like that moment. Tough. She was tough. And they def that is something they definitely pushed. Like, I think there was one of the interrogation scenes where they really wanted me to go overboard with like the yelling back. I don't think I did it like that at first. And they, you know, they really wanted her to be unhinged, um, which also plays into the pandemic crazies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we saw on Instagram you posted a photo with oh Rollins. Oh no, with um Kelly Giddish. <laughs> and so yeah. you didn't really have much chat time with um Marishka. Did you and Rollins and or Kelly Giddish have any um time to bond or chit chat between takes? Yeah, we did actually. She was so sweet. Um, and we both we both had been on all my children. So oh, we actually wow. bonded over that. Um, we came from the same. You're you know, both from Pine Valley, USA. Yes, the Pine Valley boot camp. <laughs> um, I think she had been on it a lot longer than I had. But um, yeah, so we bonded over that. And she's just, yeah, what a sweetheart. She was kind of there for me too. Like I was very stressed shooting that. I felt a lot of pressure slash, um, I don't know where I am. I can't believe I'm on set right now. And she was just like, she's a very calm onset presence. So... Oh, that was cool. Yeah, that was really nice. And also, maybe that was partly her own way of being a little bit method because our characters had more of a rapport, you know? Yeah. Uh, Amanda's character was, you know, understood uh, Lexi and had, I guess, her... I, I don't really watch SVU. Like, I watch <laughs> it. Like, everybody watches it, but I'm not, like, a fanatic. But I knew that her character had kind of come from like a rougher background and she had more empathy for people brought in. So that definitely worked too on a personal level between her and I and then transitioning into the scenes. Well, also, you don't watch the show, but Amanda's had her own little like slutty times. Oh, so I'm okay. sure okay, she's had sense. sex with yeah. a few guys that she doesn't remember their names. So she was probably yeah. like, come on, we can't give this girl like a murder rap yes. just because she likes to have a good time. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's important. I mean, I think in culture too, like women should be able to sleep with whoever. I'm not saying don't remember, but yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> it's good that they're bringing up these topics and having someone defend people that mm -hmm. are being slut shamed. Yeah, for sure. Did you watch your episode? I did. I watched it once when it aired. <laughs> alone, I, friends, I, family. Who'd you no, watch it with? I was alone, and I think things in in um, in New York were starting to get bad again when it aired. I think that was December. Uh, I think it was December or November. Uh, so I was pretty isolated, but I, I it was just me. But my friends were texting. Everybody was like watching. Like everyone was blowing up my phone. Well, that's nice. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah, it was nice. It was a nice moment. Yeah, that must have felt like at least a little bit of connection in a crazy isolated time period, you know? Yeah, and I had, of course, convinced myself it was going to be like a train wreck. 
you know, and you right. know, you you know how you do that thing where you're like, oh, this I I, I fucked it all up. This is going to be terrible. Um, and I was surprised. I was like, okay, I'm okay with this. I don't think I would ever be like, I love it, but I was okay <laughs> with what I did. Yeah. There's one moment, not with your character, but I wanted to ask if you watched it because, like, I hate when they show her bloody fingernails when she's trying to claw out. And I don't know if you remember oh, that. Maybe I ruined I, your day. I, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I oh my god, I watch true crime all the time. Ugh. I've been. I, I'm like a big true crime doc person. It's kind of sick. I don't know what it is, but I love watching these things. So I don't. I don't remember that moment. I should go back and maybe because we watched it yesterday. But it's worth the rewatch. But I like had a. Yeah. Re- I was like, oh my god, they really went there. Wait, do you have any favorite um, crime docs that you've watched recently, or any favorites yes. of all time, or anything you'd like to of share? all time? This is ridiculous. What is I, what is the title of it? I have this thing where like I can't remember the title of the show, even though I'll watch the whole thing. But there is this show on HBO that I think Patton Oswalt's wife. Yeah, you know, it's called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I'll Be Gone in the Dark. That's what it is. I thought that was stunning. I thought it was a brilliant, beautiful, terrifying piece of work. I, yeah. I, st- I think as a documentary series in general, it is like one of the best I've ever seen. So that is my favorite. Um, yeah. But I loved like the staircase. Oh my I God. Loved- I love the staircase. Oh God, so good. I should rewatch it. And also um, the guy that just died. Um, what's oh, his name? Oh, the Jinx. The Jinx. The Jinx. I thought that was... Incredible. Well, I think the jinx is what set up the explosion of the trend because that twist in the end was just so awesome. Um, And everyone, I think we expected or wanted and it's not what will ever happen. Mm -hmm. That was like a magic moment in time. But I think the jinx is what kind of really got things moving. Yeah, the, those filmmakers they got, got really, really lucky. lucky. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, that you that's magic. The, the fact that happened on camera, it's, I mean, it's kind of unbelievable. This episode was the first time I had ever heard of a quarantine speakeasy. And I was wondering if that was like a thing that was more New York. I'm sure you just said you hadn't left your house in five months. I'm sure you weren't like going to give passwords at closed doors to get into a speakeasy. But did you hear about these? Like, did you hear about, I didn't know they existed until SVO. I didn't hear of the term quarantine speakeasy, but I definitely knew certain friends you know, we're going to parties and there were definitely places you could go. Um, I never wow. went to them. I don't know where they where they were. I mean, of course, there were parties with people that just didn't care. Um, but yeah, I imagine that's a real thing. It's similar to after hours. Like, yeah. you know, it's like you go to after hours and then I remember going to some party. There's after hours. And then there were like after after hours at this other place and they lock the place up. I think it was similar to that. Like they, you know. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Um, This is more real. You don't have to answer this, but um, I dealt with this. But did you have any relationships or friendships that turned or like because of their COVID behavior? Like- were you judgmental oh. and how did things oh. kind of well, settle for you and your friends? Yeah, I, I did. I I'm I didn't have any falling out, though I did have a few tough conversations 
with, I have a few friends who would consistently have like dinner parties, like during the heyday of like when shit was hitting the fan and they would ask me to come. And I, and I felt like I had to say something like, oh, I don't think we should be hanging out with anyone right now. Um, it was super awkward. It, and I, we kind of got over that hump and I, I feel like I was distant with those particular friends for that moment. Um, and there were other people too that I would see on Instagram or whatever, just like, you know, running all over the city. And I'm kind of like, what the hell? Like ethically, I, I had to come to terms with, oh, they just don't, they don't care. Um, and also like where I, my family, that was the hardest part. Like we're talking like anti-vaxxer status. Yeah. You know, and that has been the hardest part. Having tough conversations with family members. I had, oh God, I had some brutal moments like out of a movie, like kind of where I was out of body and I flipped out because they were making fun of people that like get vaccines. This was like a friend of my sister's. And that's been challenging. It's been really yeah. a, a difficult um, spiritual issue to have to grapple with that, okay, they really see it this way. And dialogue's important, but I don't know. I don't know how to penetrate that kind of mentality. So that's so the tough. toughest part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's further than you anticipate. Like we have, yeah. you know, someone whose mom won't get vaxxed and it's like, you're not going to meet your grandchild. This is how important this is to you. You're not going to meet your new grandchild. Sure, exactly. And they're just not, like the things you thought they valued, suddenly they don't. Yeah, and, and there's no way of really, I feel like as humans, we want some kind of like peace. We want to reconcile and feel like, oh, it's okay. Mm -hmm. They're a good person. But this is the first time in my life where I'm like, what does that mean about them? Yeah. Like, how how do I make peace with this? So we're really forced to just kind of be sad about it. That's what I've like, I'm like, I'm just sad. It's tough. It's it's tough. So what's going on with you now? I mean, we obviously mm. checked out your Twitter and you and Lisa are like TV soulmates. You love a lot of the same shows. Yeah. Uh, I'm a survivor girl. And I've no, been- No, you're not. No. Yeah, I'm really? looking at a buff right now. Yeah. <gasps> I actually, I sent in a tape this year. I didn't hear back, but I'm going to keep sending it. I want to go on. I've thought about it. I've I've thought about it. I don't, I think I might be too sensitive. Like, I don't know the social game, but every year I get closer. So I'll probably get there where I'll start applying every year. Yeah, I don't think I would be good, but I think I would actually thrive. I think social game would be the only game I, I had. I think I mean, you would I don't be great you, TV, but... Lisa. You'd be good TV. I don't know how <laughs> yeah. far you'd get in the game, but like <laughs> great TV. <laughs> I mean, even I if I injured. got voted off first, I feel like just doing it would be amazing. It would. Just I don't be... think you'd get off first, though. I don't know. Maybe we'll be on the same season. Yeah, but we have to pretend <laughs> we don't know each other, but oh, we'll yes. have each other. Agree now back. that if you get on the same season, you have an alliance. This is yeah. the agreement That right would be now. such dirt. It would be cool, but we wouldn't acknowledge each other. Yeah. And oh, I've been watching Love is Blind. I've been watching this new second season. We saw some tweets. Me too. Me too. And I... I'm impressed with them. They had a lot to live up to and they really did it. I think, but they're kind of a hot mess. I mean, yes. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of... I feel like in general, they all need to go to therapy. I'm stunned at some of the things they're saying. Even the ones I like. I'm I'm kind of like, oh, what do you mean that he can't have 
a picture of his ex-girlfriend or like a gift. It wasn't even a picture. It was like a gift. Like, what do you mean? Like, you have to get over that at some point. <laughs> I get it. But like, come on. Um, but yeah, there, I I have hope. I, I think maybe one couple will make it. Maybe. But I don't want any of them to. That's oh, you don't tough. want them to? Oh. Okay. I don't think any of them are meant for each other. I don't think no. any of them are on a path to like a beautiful marriage. No. One couple, they won't fuck. They just like, he does not find her attractive, but he has a soul connection with her. I gotta, I'm, I'm behind. I really gotta watch. I watched season one. I actually think, I actually think that Shane and Natalie are the only couple that have a shot. Just watching their dynamic, even though they are opposites, they're the only couple that I think has a fair shot or maybe they actually like each other, that they just like each other. Like I can, I could see them dating in real life. That's it. And when I say that, I mean like 10% chance, not even, probably 4%. But... (laughs) The uh, I know it's like shaken. De- it's painful to watch. I feel really bad for her. I feel bad for Deeves. I feel like that's gotta feel shitty. Um, and and yeah, and every time they say like, "Am I gonna be ready to get married in one week?" Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, you're not. No, You've known know. this person for like seven days. What are you talking about? Of course you're not. Oh my God. I got to get into you this. Gotta you got to. Yeah. Okay. This is like a new podcast yeah. coming to exactly I right. <laughs> Jordan Lane Price and Lisa Traeger oh, are having their it. own li- Love is Blind podcast. Let's do it. Oh my gosh. Are you a housewives person? We're very deep into housewives. Okay. I was actually going to ask you this. So my my best friend, shout out Joanna Sternberg, great musician. They're obsessed with housewives in a way I've never seen anything like it in my life. So I've started to watch New York, but I have to like immerse myself. I'm not there yet. Like, I feel like there's so much content that I don't know how to even start. And Where'd I want to be- with New York? The first episode. Oh, so you went like, to the beginning. Yeah, it's great. I went to, yes, I went to the beginning, but there's also this drama happening with like Salt Lake City that I've been following. There's like all these, and I want to be up to date, but I can't, there's so much. And so it is, many- It pl- is It is really hard to like, because now that stuff bleeds into the zeitgeist so much that you're like, I want to know what's going on with Erica Jane, but you have to like exactly. really go and like watch it all. And like, it's a lot. It's a lot to catch up. Teresa going to jail. I mean, like every single franchise, yes has their own like explosive shit and then you're yeah. and then you're knee deep you know like you you well what's great that i can suggest um is new york's the best have fun and then salt lake's only on its second season so you can dabble oh. and catch up with everyone and you can actually the reunions haven't aired so you can like catch up if you're you know watching as much tv as i do and yeah. watch the reunions <laughs> with everybody and be live on twitter yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll have to do that because it really is like overwhelm. It's it's crazy overwhelm. Yeah. Well, this is a good fun fact. Um, I was hit on by one of the husbands when I was on All My Children. We shot in Stamford, Connecticut. So I would oh, take where the train. I used to live. Oh, really? Wow. As a child. So, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, crazy. <laughs> um, so I would take the train back and forth, and a guy was sitting next to me and 
oh my God, I'm going to forget his name. But he hit on me. I was like 24, 23. And he gave me his card and he was like, I'm I'm on the housewives. I'm not with my wife anymore. And then he was like, I'm also a Broadway producer. So this was so long ago that I don't even really remember. Was it Kelsey Grammer? No. You would, you would have not, known if it I, was Kelsey Grammer, But it was, right? I think we figured it out between my friend and I. I think it's a New York, it's one of the main New York guys, but he's like dated all of them or something. Oh, it was probably Tom? fucking, no, it was probably, what's his name? You, uh, it's Harry Dubin? Harry yes. Dubin. Yes, yeah, I think it yeah. was Harry Dubin. He's disgusting. Yeah. I saw disgusting. him in real life at a bar. At like, <laughs> I saw him at the Regency, which is a hotel they go to in the show all the time. Yeah. And I was like, is this him? in person, he's real yucky. I remember getting a creeped out feeling, obviously, and was like, okay, okay, okay. And then like scurried off when we got off the train. But Yeah, like the fact that he's just had sex with like four housewives. He was married to one of them. He's had yeah. sex with like three others. It's like Disgusting. really yucky. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah, like that's that's Mm-mm. a shallow pool. There are a lot of women in New York you could be having sex with. Yeah. I'm sure he's doing that too. But um, anyway, wow. listen, is, we could literally talk all day. This is, this, is this, is, this is not about SVU anymore, yeah. guys. Our producer is probably like, what the fuck? We've gone off the rails. Um, do you have any other like little tidbits from the set before you go? Like yeah. anything that happened? Or happens? your favorite Survivor player? Okay. Oh my God. Okay. No, stay on track. Um... <laughs> Overall, it was just a really strange and incredible experience. Like that whole team is so special. And the crew guys have all been working on that show forever. So they were really sweet. Uh, Mariska is a badass. The whole thing was just really, uh, it was just really fun. This has been awesome. Do you have anything that you're working on like now or anything coming out that you want us to plug or what's going on Um, with you? Not at all. I have nothing. Oh, okay. I have Great. nothing. And you know what? I this this has been so nice because it it made me feel like, oh, I am an actor, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's not much. I make music. I've been making music. So eventually I'll, I'll probably come out with something like that. Oh, amazing. But yeah, no, nothing, nothing on the horizon except for our reality TV podcast that's yes. coming out soon, listeners. Oh my gosh, that was so fun. She's great. Cool gal. Yeah. Cool gal. And it's just wild that she was experiencing COVID in New York and then playing this character while in it is just a unique experience that not very many people have experienced. Yeah. Like, and super meta. And, and, you know, like, I think I said this already in the episode, but I, I know people had an issue with like how SVU handled the masks and stuff. Like people were constantly messaging us, like either wear them or don't wear them. But I do think that in this episode, they really captured like the essence of how some people were going completely insane. And especially in New York city where the death toll was high. People were dying, you know? Like, so you're trapped in your small apartment. People are dying around you. Like, when she's like, I felt dead inside. Like, you know, it's like, I don't know. This episode I thought was, like, really good. <laughs> like, 
It was. Um, it was a great episode, great guests, great times. We've learned nothing, obviously. I mean, Look at yeah, our society. what's our, what's <laughs> our post-mortem? <laughs> I'm going to concerts with 50,000 people in the audience. Like, I've learned nothing. I. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that this episode taught us, like, another, once again, a lesson about slut-shaming. Like, the, fu- the, the fucking loser kid who has a fiancé but still rents out all the rooms in his apartment and has a roommate. Like, he is fucking everybody left and right, and no one cares, but she— this is like a girl who's just like having fun and having sex and she's getting all this shit. And it, this was under a magnifying glass with the Italian media and the Italian authorities on, Mar- on um, excuse me, Amanda Knox. Like, Oh, and this reminds me, and it's like these things are real and they're ingrained in our society and it's annoying when you try to excuse yourself from the, like, who you are, you know? As a white person, you might not think you're racist. You are. And it has nothing to do with you. We're living in a racist system that we're a part of. And that's how I feel with gender shit too, where it's like the slut shaming, how women are treated, men are... It's like, it is real. It is alive today. And if you're not constantly fighting it and looking at it, then like it continues. And Mm -hmm. so then it reminded me, you know, I have pretty feministy material, but I had a great show. And then a girl came up to me and she was like, oh, my friend is texting me right now. She's upstairs and there's a hetero couple fighting because the man was pissed at your jokes. And so like a couple was straight up fighting outside after the show because he couldn't handle jokes about men being trash. And it's like, why are you yelling at your girlfriend? Like, take a joke. I'm pretty funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why are you taking it personal? Because it's also, I bet he's the guy that's like, why can't you say the N-word? I don't know. Like, it's always like, oh, be funny, be funny. And they're the first to be upset. The first to be upset. No, I'll, I'll say stuff about men being trashed to my husband and he'll be like, he gets really upset. Like, or I'll be like, well, you definitely know guys that have raped girls. And he's like, what? And I'm like, you definitely do. You don't, like, they haven't told you, but you know, you do. Like, and he's like, you know, he gets, he does get so offended when you like try to generalize men because he's like, I feel attacked and I feel like I'm a good guy. And I'm like, you are a good guy. I mean, no guy's perfect. You obviously have problems. But like, you know, it's funny how it's like, why are you taking a comedian's joke personal? Obviously, something is resonating with you, you know? Because there's bits, but also like, would you be as mad if you were watching a dude making jokes about beating his wife? I wonder. Or about how all chicks want this, all chicks want gifts, or all chicks want blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you don't care about that, you know? No, so it's just because I don't, they just can't handle it, I think, like, a lot. That's why when um, they're like, oh, no, school shooters have been bullied. It's like, yeah, everyone gets bullied pretty badly all the time. <laughs> like, for some reason, it seems like white men cannot handle jokes about themselves, generalizations, anything, because they're so used to everything being for them or something. Like, I had an over an hour of jokes and you're just like fighting upstairs. And I guess there was another guy talking. Like, it's just, um, they're always the worst audience members for me. But like, best case scenario is she breaks up with that guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's being defensive doesn't help stop the problems. And like, or denying that they exist. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. we're all telling you this is real and you're like, Taking Just it listen personal. and take it in. Like, listen and take it in. I'm not asking yeah. you to solve it and say, yeah, I apologize on behalf of all men. Like, no, it's just like, take it in, you know? Well, and you can, yeah, change your own personal behavior. But also, like, if everyone is laughing and relating, like, if you're taking, it's obviously true. Yeah. Or you wouldn't be that <laughs> mad. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You wouldn't be pissed if it wasn't resonating or or hitting a nerve. Yeah. But COVID, we've learned nothing. Take me to a speakeasy. I don't give a shit. 
I think we learned. I think things are just chilling out, which is good. I mean, I'm hoping that this is like the real, the true off-ramp to the pandemic, whereas I feel like we've had 10 false off-ramps. But anyway, I was happy to have the opportunity to talk about Amanda Knox and to really do all the full research because I have been so obsessed with this case for like, I mean, going on 16 years. So um, this is a perfect segue into What Would Sister Peg Do? This uh, is our weekly segment where we give you guys a, you know, a organization, a website, some kind of a doc or article or something that will give you more info on what you saw today, uh, what we talked about in today's episode. And today, I just wanted to recommend the Netflix documentary, Amanda Knox. We, I talked about it a lot in today's episode. If you haven't seen it, it chronicles the all the timeline of everything that went down, the investigation, the trials, the appeals, and it features a lot of interviews with Amanda and Raffaele and this prosecutor, uh, Mignini, who is uh, like, hates... Amanda Knox, and you can tell has a thing for her. And this like skeezy Daily Mail reporter named Nick Pisa, who I think when this came out, a lot of people were talking about him on Twitter because he's kind of bad. And um, yeah, if you want to, if you know, you can just search Amanda Knox on Netflix or we have the link in our show notes. Thanks, Kara. Do I even need to watch it since I got the full on education from you? I don't know. I mean, I think like the, if you're interested in this case, it's an interesting doc because like there's the reenactment. There's like all this, I don't know. You kind of just like, you see the way that these Italian guys are like uh, just uh, forming a narrative about Amanda that I don't think was fair. Yeah, absolutely. And it's never fair. Yeah. It really is just so overwhelming. And the hardest part about it is the, the guy's not just seeing it, refusing to see it. We just talk about all these cases, fucking last week's episode. I mean, everything's a nightmare. And guess what? Next week is too. We're doing the episode <laughs> sick, season five, episode 19. We got Peacock, Hulu, Sticks, you know, VPN, I guess, is a login that's not a stick. Who knows? <laughs> Or don't watch the episode. Well, no, this one's actually really funny and tragic, but please watch Sick and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. See you next week. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmessedappod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at That's Messed Up Pod and on Twitter at Messed Up Pod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Annalise Nelson. And to our mixer, John Bradley. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Listen, follow, and leave us a review on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can listen to new episodes one week early on Amazon Music or early and ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Dun, dun, dun. dun.